there, Puffwa. It's Oliver's gal, and I'm just voicemailing in to wish everyone a happy holiday and a very merry and joyful new year. I really hope that everyone has a, a great year coming up, and really, I don't know what I did before I found Puffwa, because you've really impacted my life and have hugged me when I was down and made me laugh and I hope that this year is just the same. Thank you and happy holidays. I just want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas and a happy holiday and I'm Lamani and I'm Amy too so I'll talk to you guys later. Merry Christmas to all my friends at PFW and to all my pack. Happy holidays and have a safe and happy holiday season. Hi Puffa, it's Serena from the forums. Um, I just want to wish you all a happy Christmas and a fantastic new year. Hey guys, this is Lilay. Just wanted to say Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to everybody. Love you guys. I just wanted to take a minute and say how much I love being a part of the Potterfic community. You've all become a large part of my life and I treasure the friends I've made. Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Happy Hanukkah. Whatever way you celebrate, I hope it was a really great season. Merry Christmas from Suet Duxfoot. I love you all. Hello, handsome. How are you? <laughs> oh, not too terribly bad, thank you. <laughs> oh, want to do the entire podcast like that? I don't think I can do that, thanks. <laughs> No, we probably wouldn't last very well. Oh, well. Oh, my gosh, this is so exciting. I just love this part. The peons are coming. Welcome to Peoncast, everyone. I'm Scott. I'm Kelly. I'm Sue. I'm Julia. I'm Kat. And today we're having a special Christmas episode of Peoncast in which we all talk about our favorite winter holidays or, in the case of our Australian listeners, summer holidays, but you know. (laughs) You know, I'd be more than willing to send them some snow right now. I think they'd probably enjoy it. (laughs) I don't want to send them the snow. I want to send them the blistering cold. I'll send them the snow that kept me from getting to Evil Day. They can have that snow. I don't need it. (laughs) I pets it for a lady who has family in Australia. And so I stopped at her house today to drop off her Christmas present. And the lights were all on. And I knocked on the door and nobody answered. So I have a key because I pets it for this person all the time. So I thought, well, I don't want to leave the gift sitting out here. I'll just stick it inside the house. And I tried the door, and the door was open. So I was like, okay. So I just opened the door and reached inside and set the plant and the carts inside, thinking, okay, and I'll just close the door. Well, this young man, teenager, comes around the corner, and I'm like, caught. Hi. And he said, hi. And I said, I'm Sue. And he said, I thought you were. And they're from Australia. The family has come in. So he had this great accent. And his girlfriend came and introduced herself, too. And I said, how are you guys doing? And they're like, we're freezing. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> yeah. The middle of any season is not the best time to be traveling hemispheres. No. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> We're freezing. I don't know. I told him I talked to Australia this morning. and It was 100 there. And she's just like, thanks a lot. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's the... Sue, do you guys have any snow up in your area? It's supposed to snow tonight. Oh, well, I hope it does, although not as much as we have here in the northeast. 
because yeah. if it snows, I won't make it home. So we're hoping it doesn't snow too bad. Although it's supposed to snow to a thousand feet, which may mean it snows at my house, but it shouldn't snow where I'm at right now. When she says a thousand feet, that means the snow level comes down to a thousand feet above sea level. <laughs> that took me a minute. Yes. Right. Not that they're getting I, a thousand. I figured that out. What I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> just, just explaining that to our other Beyond Cast listeners, you may be a little confused that you're thinking that it may have already been. 2012, and the apocalypse is upon us. I, you know. <laughs> hey, you know, it's snowing a lot in Oregon. What can it's I not say? Not oh, no, it's that. raining a lot in Oregon. <laughs> rain in December is no good. No. It's going to rain on Christmas Eve here. You know, we oh, that blows. I know. Christmas Eve here. We're supposed to get snow, but they don't know how much yet. So okay. this will be the first. Kelly, well, how do you get snow and not us? Why do we get rain? The, We're further north than you. Yeah, but the cold air is going to kind of go south of you. You're going to get it the next day, I think. We're supposed to get a mix and then snow. This will be the first time in about 15 years that it'll actually have been snowing really on Christmas Eve. Huh. Had it snow on Christmas Day, but not on Christmas Eve. Well, I'm going to Florida on Christmas Day, so it's not going to be snowing where I am. Probably true. Nope, not at all. <laughs> going to visit my grandma, because as all Jewish grandmas, mine lives in Boca. Of course. So I will be going to visit. <laughs> right, and isn't That'll she cold fun. there as well? Oh, yeah, I'm sure she's very cold. It's supposed to be like, what, 70 degrees down there? Yeah. Jeez. Yeah, uh, she's cold. Cool. We keep our house at. Yeah. Right. It's like, I love my grandma. I love her very much. She was born in Poland, and after Poland, moved to Boston and lived in Boston for many years. And now she lives in Florida, and all of a sudden, 70 degrees, it's like time to break out the sweaters and winter blankets. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I guess it's all what you're used to. It must be. Well, I don't know. My grandparents, my grandfather was from Minnesota, and my grandmother, her family was from Minnesota and moved to San Diego. And then when they got married, they moved back to Minnesota or Minnesota for 15 years and came to St. Louis and then moved to Vegas and moved back. And she's always complaining about how cold it is. And so was he. And, you know, he's used to it. He grew up in Red Wing. So it's just an age thing, yeah. I think. Um, there's always an exception to every rule. My grandpa is from California. My dad grew up in California. My grandpa moved to Denver. And he grills in the middle of winter in shorts and flip-flops. Well, I didn't say that we didn't grill, but the first cold snap of the season always gets the complaints. And then after that, it's like, eh, it's winter. (laughs) Yeah. My grandma always explains that um, most of the other people in her building keep the rooms too hot. Uh For her, it's not as much of a problem as it is for some. I went to the, yes, I braved the mall today. And while I was in the mall, I actually had to take my coat off. And carry it because it was so hot in the mall. Mm-hmm. It was like, yeah. ugh. It was just. They sometimes do that. Yeah. All those extra bodies too that always. They add weren't to really the crowded because this is like an outlet mall, but it was just hot. Mm-hmm. I mean, we, you know, you know, it's warm in a building when you go outside and your glasses fog up, and it's only like thirty-five degrees outside. Oh yeah. wow! <laughs> it was <Okay>. hot. <laughs> Yeah, usually they fog up when you're coming uh-huh. in. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow, that's ridiculous. It's really warm. It's like steaming as I'm walking out to my car. Oh, this feels good. <laughs> <laughs> so we're a week. We're not even a week. We're four days before Christmas here. We are. And mm-hmm. So we're coming to you from the past, right. as usual. 
And yes. not quite as far past as it yes, often happens. Some of ours. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, hopefully we'll have this one out this weekend. Well, hopefully it's going out on Christmas Day. Yeah. And Hanukkah was over on what, Hanukkah. Saturday? Yeah, it ended Saturday night. Saturday? So Friday night was the last candles. So did you have a nice Hanukkah? I did, actually. I had a busy Hanukkah because it was exam week, and plus the family that I babysit for, they had a a little bit of an emergency. Um, I mean, everybody's fine, thank God, but I spent a great deal of that week babysitting for some combination, any combination of their seven kids, Mm -hmm. and trying to write papers. So I had a a lovely but busy Hanukkah. Yeah. Sounds fun. But it's very cute. Their 18-month-old is learning to speak, and she's learning to say my name, which is really difficult to say if you're just learning how to speak. Uh So she calls me Gia. Oh, Gia. Okay. She's yeah, really cute. Like she handed me a Lego and she was like, "Ha, Gia." <laughs> and I was like, "Oh." Yeah. kids are fun. They really are. I like other people's kids. That's right. You can give them back <laughs> yeah. if they're bad or wet or hungry. <laughs> yes. Or screaming. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I went to the library tonight to get my new library card. And one of the signs says, do not place children on returns desk. <laughs> and, and I walked up and I said, what if you want to return the kids? She's like, we don't take them here. <laughs> I said, oh, so you can't return them here, but if they fit in the bin outside, in the return, she says, yeah, you can put them in there. <laughs> it's like, oh, two, it's like two inches wide, you know, <laughs> you can't, yeah. you can't even get your hand down, let alone a kid. I have a friend who has something like 12 cousins all under the age of eight. Yikes. Oh, God. (laughs) Yikes. The family that I babysit for is not quite that bad. They have seven kids, and their oldest is 13, and their youngest is 18 months. Oh, okay. See, when when you have seven kids or eight kids under the age of eight, that's when you break out the Jack Daniels eggnog on Christmas (laughs) Eve. And they all get a very special glass of eggnog and makes them sleep really, really well. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure he's ever tried that, but pass that on. Also, when you have that many kids, you get a uh, television series on TLC. I think that's that's like a new rule. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Especially if you're uh, a little person, then you definitely get it. Yes. Mm Yeah, flying home this well on my second flight because I had to make a connection in Dulles and we were delayed. So uh, like the air traffic control people were like delaying everything because everyone wasn't making their connections, and if they didn't make their connections, then everything would go crazy. Ups- yeah, crazy. But on my plane, there were like ten kids just in my immediate section alone, and they were all crying and screaming. And like uh-huh. at this point, I had been up twenty four hours straight. <laughs> I was not in a good mood. So I just put on my headphones and, like, put on West Wing, and they played Elf for the kids, which kind of distracted them. Yeah, that would work. Mm-hmm. It's when you invest wow. in earplugs. Yeah, yeah, I keep forgetting to buy those for concerts. So the trip was fine, except for the screaming kids. Did you all have a good time? Um, Julia and Kat went to the Yule Ball last night. Yay! We did! It was very fun. We were in the front row, as of always. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, of course. Also, just so that if anybody doesn't know, I have a reputation in the Wizard Rock fandom for being a setlist thief. No. Like, she it's does. Literally, it's literally gotten to the point where, like, Kat tells me that at Evil Day, Brian was sort of looking around going, oh man, Julia's not here. What's going to happen to my setlist? What am I going to do with it? I don't even know. 
Not just Brian. Everybody was saying that. Like, Everyone oh my knows. gosh, Julia's not here. There's no one to take this out list. <laughs> I seem to remember Matt losing his at Hallows and Horcruxes. Mm-hmm. And the first person he was like, the first somebody person. asked Julia if she has my set list. <laughs> <laughs> and it actually wasn't me. It was the girl next to me, Jenny. Yep. Who had the set oh, list. Okay. Oh, she had it. They did find it. Okay. <laughs> yeah, she had it. It was pretty hilarious, though. <laughs> you know, I have a reputation. But I did last night. I grabbed a Whomping Willow set list. I grabbed a Drake and the Malfoy set list and a Harry and the Potter set list. So that was pretty exciting. Yeah, and the creature drink. didn't make one. There was an extra Draco on the Malfoy, so I got my very first set list ever. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> and wait, just because I have to, how exactly did you obtain this set list? Julia gave it to me, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I asked, I asked Paul Potter to grab it, and so I yeah. gave it to her. Mm, yes, but it was actually uh, really, really fun. Um, it was actually a really nice set. Draco and the Malfoy. Okay, we have to talk for a second. Like, I don't want this to turn into like a podcast sort no, of thing. It's okay. Go talk. talk. Draco and the Malfoys played their entire set bluegrass. Huh. <laughs> so awesome. <laughs> and yeah, not only played- that, but their family was in town. So like, there was Papa Malfoy and their brother and their brother Mike <laughs> and this one guy Nelson who was in the band but is not related to them. Which was actually really cool because I was talking to Papa Malfoy a little bit afterwards and I was like, good job with the playing in the band and the raising the kids. Well done. And he was like, yeah, you know, he's like, it was really nice to get to play with all three of my boys tonight. And I was like, I bet that was nice. Like, good job, yeah. Papa Malfoy. That was cool. <laughs> That's cool. Apparently um, he was weirded out by the fact, I was talking to him too, he was weirded out by the fact that, uh, like, people actually knew the words to songs. <laughs> yeah, apparently that doesn't happen very much in bluegrass. I felt a little bad, but it was cool. The other thing that I feel compelled to mention is that Harry and the Potters, as always, brought down the house. Mm-hmm. As always, they're always like the best band, the highlight of any show. They're so amazing. So they have a song called The Weapon, mm-hmm. which I'm sure yeah. all of you know it. And if anybody listening does not know it, it's about how because we love each other and because love is the most powerful force in the universe, we are going to use it to defeat Voldemort and other evil things. So they have this song called The Weapon, and in the middle of The Weapon, Paul DeGeorge announces that he got an email a few weeks ago from a guy named Ryan. And the two the two of us looked at each other and we're like, <gasps> but then it was a different Ryan. <laughs> we, we were a little disappointed. Anyway, he says that this guy Ryan wanted to do something special for his girlfriend and then wanted to go on stage and sing with Harry and the Potters. So this guy Ryan brings his girlfriend Sarah up on stage and sings with Harry and the Potters and then proposes to her. Huh. It was very cute. She said yes. That's always good. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something you should never take for granted. That's right. So, never take for granted that she's going to say yes, but in this case she did, and it was very sweet, and everybody was very happy for them. So It's kind of like the display guy at the baseball game. You know, Rachel, will you marry me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just, no. yeah. <laughs> I've seen that happen. Uh, yes. Terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so do you guys have favorite holiday traditions or favorite stories from your holidays that you've had? Things like that? Well, it's it's funny. My first experience of Christmas away from my family was when I was 23. And I was at the FAA training facility in Oklahoma City. And we didn't have the opportunity to come home for the holidays because we had to work on Christmas Eve. And there was no time to fly home. And then we would be off the next day and then to fly back because we had school the following day. And so this was my first experience away from home. And we were talking to other people that were in the same situation. 
all of us were. Somebody who was from South Dakota who was in my class, we actually sat down and we were like, yeah, well, you know, on Christmas Eve, we usually have oyster stew, which is apparently a very northern United States thing to have. Um, get oysters yeah, in North Dakota. Yeah, oysters. Because, well, and, where and do you get them? You, well, because it's cold, they used to do this by train. And it was huge to have oysters or shellfish for Christmas. Because even though you were in the middle of the country, you could ship them from the East Coast by train, and then they would go to the main markets and then distribute it from there. But you could only do that when it was cold. Mm-hmm. So in the wintertime, it was a very special treat to be able to have oysters. So they would have oyster stew or an oyster stuffing or something like that with mm-hmm. their meal on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. And my grandpa, that's we always have oyster stew every year. And for those who don't like oyster stew, we'll have turkey and roast beef. In like cold cuts, sandwiches and stuff. But we eat for hours. <laughs> it seems like it's always the Christmas Eve thing. It's have to have oyster stew and, you know, we've had sloppy joes forever too. It's kind of funny. Oyster stew and sloppy joes. <laughs> yeah. Not at the same time. <laughs> yeah. But like I said, everybody will start eating at five o'clock and we'll just munch until midnight, <laughs> basically. It's just That's- time. Together, talk about what everybody's been doing and open presents and things like that. So interesting. I was reading on my calendar that I got for Christmas last year. It's a calendar of odd words that used to be in the English language and have sort of fallen out of use. And then they have some little thing that's related to whatever day it was on or related to what the word was or something like that. And a couple of days ago, I forget what the related word was, but there's a tradition apparently that people from Gloucester would send the king a lamprey pie on Christmas. And this is because I think one of the Henrys used to have his Christmas court at Gloucester and really liked lampreys, so it sort of became a tradition since his time. But you wouldn't necessarily think of that being a Christmas dish, but apparently there's a tradition about that. Isn't there also a tradition that it's actually illegal to eat mince pies on Christmas? I don't know. In England? I can't remember hearing that. But. I think Oliver Cromwell passed a law that you couldn't eat mince pies on Christmas and it was never repealed. So <laughs> all this time, okay. everybody who's had mince on Christmas is breaking the law. <laughs> I can't see them enforcing that too heavily. No. SWAT team bursting in the door. Put that pie down. <laughs> <laughs> I just was like, really? <laughs> There's great laws around. Yes, there really are. Yes, it's illegal to bowl in my hometown. Okay, cool. in my hometown, it, it encourages drinking. Wow. <laughs> so does in crew. my hometown, it's illegal to beat a rug or drug it in the public square on a Sunday. Uh, but you can do it any other day of the week. <laughs> yeah, I could go on about this for days. Dumblaws.com is like my favorite thing ever. <laughs> I love this. I love it too, yeah. Literally, although... Be able to we, shoot a moose from a helicopter. Yeah. Could yeah. throw, yep. throw the pregnant moose from the helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Illegal to push a live moose out of a moving airplane in Alaska. <laughs> I think somewhere, I think in Texas maybe, somewhere it's illegal to put an ice cream cone in your back pocket. Apparently here in St. Louis, it's illegal to drink beer out of a bucket while sitting on a curb on a city street. (laughs) You'd be surprised. We have, we have big parties downtown that apparently that's where it, where it came from. Well, one of the, uh, one of the stupid laws that actually affects me is that in Connecticut, it's illegal to purchase alcohol after 9 p.m. or on a Sunday. 
that one blows. Like all the liquor stores close at nine, and all and they're all closed on Sunday. You guys have state liquor stores. Yeah, we have state liquor stores. We just have regular liquor stores, but they're all have to observe this law. We can buy hard liquor at a grocery store. Oh, we can't. Yeah, Yeah, you have have state liquor stores then. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't have that in Missouri. We have both liquor stores, and you can buy booze. You can buy booze at a Seven Eleven. Oh yeah, I seem to recall buying booze at a Walmart on Uh my way to Rockstock. (laughs) That booze was cheap. Oh my oh, gosh. Cheap and delicious. <laughs> I, was, I remember John talked to me during Evil Day. He was like, yeah, I couldn't believe that they actually bought the good stuff. I'm like, yeah, because everyone's from the city where it's expensive. I am anyway. amused that the ones in town here, uh, the liquor store is also the t-shirt shop. Okay. I'm not sure why those go together. But you know, it could be worse. Go. The liquor store could be the tattoo parlor. Oh, that's don't, We don't actually that have one of those. Yeah. We have liquor stores near tattoo parlors. And people have been known to go into a tattoo parlor after taking a shot to get a tattoo. Oh, yeah. They do that all the time. The ever-present, I have to be drunk in order to get this tattoo. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. If you have to be drunk in order to get this tattoo, perhaps it's the reason you shouldn't get that particular one. Yeah. Yeah, just a suggestion. Yes. Our Christmas tradition is what we call monkey bread, which is just mostly biscuits, and they're made in a bun can with a pudding sauce over them, and I gave that recipe out on Pufa, and ah. Jules attempted it. But she didn't have a bunt pan, so she tried Uh-oh. it with a uh, form pan. Spring, a spring form pan. Spring form pan, yes. Oh, no. And, wow. and yeah. caramel sauce leaked on the oven elements and actually literally set the oven on fire. So, <laughs> no. so it's his fault. Uh, <laughs> Oh, no. It's my fault. Jules' house almost burned down. Was this the incident that I remember last year? Yeah. Yeah, I remember reading about it, too. I was like, oh, my God. So, But the good news is that she got a bunt pan out of the whole thing. I don't know if she's actually (laughs) attempted to make the monkey bread since then, but... If I remember correctly, did she try to make it with the bunt pen and it came out really well? Maybe she did it again after she got it. I can't remember. I mean, I can't remember. I can't imagine she would have bought the bunt pen and then not done it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's true. I just remember the oven going on fire and hearing about it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think and she incorporated it into a sorting and everything. The post that started, Sue tried to kill me and set my house on fire. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can totally see Sue doing that. She's got like a real, she's, I mean, every now and then Jules will just come in and do a sorting and Sue gets so annoyed. She just like has to set Jules' house on fire. Yeah, that was it. <laughs> I really wanted to be the sorting hat, so I was conspiring there to. Yeah. Plot. I think maybe it worked. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Shh, don't tell anybody. Okay, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> So speaking yeah. of food, Julia, are you lot kit out for the year now? I have not had any luck as this whole Hanukkah. <gasps> what? I know. <laughs> I know. This is like a disaster. Total disaster. Oh well, gosh. here's what happened. When I was little, we used to go to my grammother's house for latkes every year for Hanukkah because she lived two blocks away from me, and that was very nice. But unfortunately, she passed away right before I started college, so it was about six or seven years ago. And since then, I've been at college, so like the dining hall will make them mm-hmm. for Hanukkah, or a friend will have a Hanukkah party and they'll have them, or you know somebody will make them. But this year, my friend who usually has the Hanukkah party moved to New York, so no party. 
And my other Latkasaurus, which is this family that I babysit for, you know, their mom was in the hospital, so she didn't make them. Yeah. And I wasn't at college because, you know, I go to grad school and I live at home because it's cheap, or actually because it's free. Right. And so okay. I did do Hi, Mom and Dad. So I, yeah, hi, Mom. Hi, Dad. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> so because of these things, I have not had Latkas this whole Hanukkah. Oh, my. Now, I don't know if I told you guys the story last year. But even if I did, I'm going to tell it again because it's really funny. But I'm going to wait a second because the subject of the story is nearby. Yeah. But in the meantime, I will tell you that I did have a lot of donuts this year. Oh. <laughs> donuts are the other food that we eat on Hanukkah because they're also fried in oil. Oh, so I had yeah. a lot of donuts this year. Wait, hold on. Hold on a second. Okay. I just have to do this. Dad? <laughs> Okay, he didn't answer, so I'm assuming he's out of hearing distance. Okay. <laughs> okay, so here's what happened. A couple of years ago, my father decided that he wanted latkes, which is fine. I mean, I'm all for latkes. However, the trouble with latkes is that they make the house smell like latkes for a week. Right. Mm-hmm. And I happen to like the smell of latkes, but my father, not so much. So he decided that he was going to go out and buy a hot plate and cook the latkes out in the backyard. So he's working really hard and he's making the latkes and he gets everything ready and he gets, I mean, he uses a safety grater because that's what my grandma used, but it kind of turns the potatoes into mush instead of Mm -hmm. like grated things. But you know, whatever, it's what my grandma did. So it's what he does and it's fine. The problem though was that he took his hot plate, set it up in the backyard on like a frightfully cold night and it was set about frying the latkes. Trouble is the hot plate would not get hot enough. So, because it's cold outside, because hot plates are just not as efficient as a stove. So it just wouldn't get hot enough. And basically what happened was that they were total mush. Uh. (laughs) They were pretty gross. And we made fun of him for a very long time. And then the next day, he just made latkes inside and put up with the smell. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Aww. So that was the Great Latka disaster of 07, 06, something like that. Yeah, well, at least he was out trying, so that's cool. Yes, but it was pretty funny. And uh, I think last year at my friend's Hanukkah party, we made both donuts and latkes, and we set the fire alarm off in our apartment building. Oops. Ah. Yep. That's always exciting. Oops. <laughs> yeah, my mom's friends were barbecuing over the summer, and apparently they were doing such a good job that the smoke set off the smoke alarm in the house across the street. Gosh. Wow. Nice. Yeah. nice. Oh, boy. The neighbors no. called and said, I think your food's done. I was going to say, <laughs> when yeah. the smoke alarm goes off, the food is done. <laughs> yep, that's yes. how you can tell pork chops or steaks done on the broiler pan are done, because oh, it always dear. does that. Yep. Actually, it's been getting better. It hasn't done that every single time we've cooked them, but even if there's no trace of burnt anything on the meat itself, it still seems to put enough particle in the air or something that the smoke alarm goes off. My grandfather, my father's father, put a smoke detector in the kitchen above the stove. Oh, oh that dear. was good thinking. <laughs> because my grandmother was notorious for starting something on the stove and then walking away from it Uh into the living room, into the bedroom. She'd wander around the house. And so he put that up there. So even if something was boiling over or it got to where it was steaming hot, it would set it off. So she'd she'd run back in the kitchen and turn it off before it burned. Oh, well, I guess it worked. Yeah, I guess that was actually good thinking. (laughs) This is the same person who would hide her cast iron skillets 
because she was diabetic and had problems picking up things. And so she'd have this 25-pound cast iron skillet full of food, you know, dump it on the floor. She burned her foot once by dropping it on her foot. I mean, so he would hide them. (laughs) Wow. In the garage and tell her that he threw them away. (laughs) And if she was was really, really mad, then he would tell her, okay, I'll go get it out of the trash. If she wasn't really mad, then he would go out and throw it away. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Good cast iron skillets are hard to come by. That's too bad. I I know. (laughs) It was a very large, heavy Murder weapon type cast iron skillet. <laughs> yeah, I've got one of those. Yeah, we've got one of We've got a Dutch oven, one of those. Yeah. Just sort of as a side note, Passover is another Jewish holiday that we're really big on food. My father makes very, very good brisket, like best brisket I've ever had. And he makes it every year on Passover, but it's never the same as it is during the year. And he's sitting there and he's like, I don't understand it. I use the same meat. The same spices, the same sauce, the same George Washington broth. I don't understand it. And then finally he realized, aha, it must be the pot. Yes. He goes out and he buys this like heavy cast iron Dutch oven, special for Pesach. And voila, the problem is solved. (laughs) The, The brisket is now delicious, even on Pesach. But he made such a big deal about this pot that like, the whole world is aware of this pot and its powers. <laughs> like, it's gotten to the point where when I'm talking to pretty much anyone and they say, like, oh, you know, I'm pretty excited. My dad's making brisket today. The first thing they say is, oh, with the pot. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's, that's, that's the pot. Oh, yes. yeah. Cast iron is, is important in brisket making. Yes. Yeah, it's true. Good to know. Yeah. I don't know if I ever have. I'm not sure. Really? It's really good. I'm entirely sure. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. It's some sort of cut of beef. Oh, it's okay. delicious. They had a Deer Food Network for Christmas, mm-hmm. and one of the recipes that they'd covered was brisket because it was a mixed household where the mother-in-law celebrated Hanukkah and the daughter-in-law celebrated Christmas. And they were trying to figure out uh-huh. what, how to have a holiday meal. And they wanted something different besides the 29-year-old recipe for brisket. So they did a 40. Was It was a 20-clove garlic recipe for brisket. Mm. Oh, that sounds uh-huh. delicious. And, and did the marinade and everything. And then it went into a pot on top of really thick onion slices and then into the oven. And it was like, oh, wow. <laughs> Oh, that sounds it, it so good. It looked so good. good. <laughs> and it was that so tender. Delicious. You just like, when she tried to take it out of the pot, she couldn't because it just like fell apart. Oh, Aww. wow. <laughs> yeah. I should make that, except that my dad would hate it. But one day when I don't live with him, I will make it. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't like garlic or onion? He's okay with onion, but garlic he doesn't like. Well, mm. Especially in such large quantities. Well, you have to remember, though, these are whole cloves. Mm-hmm. And when they're whole cloves, yep. they're sweet. They're not overpowering. Because when you mince them or when you crush them, that's when they release all the oil. Because okay. 40 clove chicken is really is really good, too. Oh, yeah. I mean and it's that. not really garlicky. Mm-mm. Okay. If you, if you oh. don't crush them, you don't release all of the oils. And then you have roasted garlic. I mean, you can almost cut them and spread it on bread. I mean, it's just like butter. Yeah, it's that's what we do. It's really good. Wonderful. See, 
The only thing with that is that brisket for me has to be served with barbecue sauce and barbecue oh, sauce. Oh no, doesn't. no, no. <laughs> he just doesn't eat barbecue oh, sauce. <laughs> my family's pretty serious about our barbecue sauce. <laughs> now your family's from Chicago area. No, well my mom, my, the, my mom's family is from Northwoods, Wisconsin and my dad's from Pasadena. But I've grown up in Chicago my entire so life. So what do you guys do for Christmas? Well, we're really, really religious, so until Christmas morning, presents aren't really mentioned, except for like a month and a half in advance, my mom will ask, what do you want for Christmas? Christmas Eve, we usually go to service and light Advent candles and like read from the Bible and do the whole really, really religious thing. And like, I feel a little bad because yesterday I was driving during Advent and I did not bring my candles to light. So my candles are lit now. But then we we all go to bed, and it's changed since now that we're older. It's just the whole 5 a.m. thing doesn't appeal to everyone anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll kind of gather for opening presents, and not a single present gets touched until Christmas morning. We might open stockings, but that's always just candy. And, like, sometimes you get a gift card or something. But then we usually will read or go to a movie or, like, spend Christmas Day as family. And then the 26th is just, like, a normal day. Yeah. But it's going to be interesting. This year I'm working noon to 5.30 on Christmas Eve, so I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to make it for service. And I'm, like, worried about it because... I'm like, I have to make it for Christmas service. We always used to go to the midnight service, which is at 11. Yeah, but it's complicated because I have to be at my parents' house at 8 a.m. because my brother is currently in Japan. So we're opening presents over a Skype call. Mm. Okay. So we have to, like, coordinate time zone differences. Mm. Mm-hmm. That'll be so interesting. We have that to... He got me up at 7 in the morning last week, and I was not pleased with him, but... We used to do, it was good to see we him. used to, I sang in the choir for church and we would go to the seven o'clock and the 11 o'clock services. Mm-hmm. Since I stopped going to choir or stopped being in the choir, it, the church that I belong to is actually an hour's drive away from me now. So it's mm-hmm. a little okay. bit difficult for me to go to services. I'd have to leave at, you know, weird times. I wouldn't see anybody. So we used to do that. We would go to my mother's side of the family on Christmas Eve, and that was the oyster stew group. And then on Christmas Day, we would go to my father's side. But in the morning, Christmas morning, we would always get up and we'd go and jump on mom and dad's bed until they woke up. <laughs> it's it's dawn, wake up, you know. And the dogs would bark, and that. we'd all go in and open presents from there. And then breakfast was always hot chocolate. And cinnamon rolls, juice, milk, hot chocolate, coffee, cinnamon rolls. And that was because we'd go to my grandmother's house and we would eat until we couldn't move because so much food. (laughs) But it was funny because this year I'm going to a holiday party, two of them, on the Sunday after Christmas. And one of them is in the morning and then the second one is in the afternoon. And the one on Sunday morning, I was like, okay, what are we going to have for breakfast? And Paula's like, oh, we're going to get, I don't know, hot chocolate and cinnamon rolls and orange. I'm like, hmm, that sounds awfully familiar. (laughs) (laughs) She had no idea that that's what I grew up on. So, So, yeah, I'll I'll have that the day after. Our Christmas Eve is going to be interesting because my sister's flight in 
got cancelled. She was supposed to come this last Saturday, and Christmas Eve was the earliest she could get a new flight. And Ugh. so we're going down to pick her up. She's getting in in the afternoon, and then we'll probably have supper while we're there, and we'll drive back, and we'll hit the first town, which is 40 minutes away from where I actually live, and we'll be there for the 7 o'clock Christmas Eve service, and do that, and then pick up and go to this town for the 9 o'clock Christmas Eve service, and then we'll be probably falling into bed, or various things like that. <laughs> well, I usually go to the 4.30, because the 4.30 is always the children's service, and they have the pageant and everything, and I teach Sunday school, so my kids are off in that. And so I'd like to see them. I'm disappointed that I'm... It's it's right in the middle of my shift, and I'm like, Ugh. Yeah. That's too bad. I'm going to drive down to my father's. He's about three and a half hours away Wednesday and spend a couple of days with them, and then we're going to my aunt's house on Christmas Day, and then I'll come home and spend Christmas evening with my mom. And she is planning on just going and spending the day at the movies. Mm-hmm. That's what we do. Yeah. That sounds nice. A lot of people do that. When mm-hmm. I was a movie theater manager, the noon show, we weren't open. But the 3 o'clock, the 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock, and 9 o'clock, we were packed. Mm-hmm. But they wouldn't show that really? first one because they figure everybody's doing lunches and going to church services and things like that. So if we had two cars come into the parking lot before noon, we were surprised. Mm-hmm. Wow. So we would all get there at 1230 instead of at 11 to set up and everything. And for the rest of the day, we would be sold out. The week between Christmas and New Year's is the busiest week of the entire year. Because everybody is off school or off work and it's Christmas vacation or whatnot. And, I mean, you can be in the red all year long and that week will put you back over into the black. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. I just remember when I was little, we used to do the Jewish Christmas biathlon, which of course was movies in Chinese. (laughs) (laughs) So my mom would take my sister and I to the movies in the afternoon. And I don't know, Kelly, I guess things are different in St. Louis than they are in New England, but the movie theaters by us were like empty. Oh, no. There would be nobody there. It'd be like us and like maybe four other Jewish families. And that was it. The Chinese food restaurants were always packed. Though. We'd always run into like at least four people at dinner. We were we were always, it was the Christmas afternoon rush. I mean, it was a zoo. And they did the same thing on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving Day and the day after Thanksgiving went on Black Friday. If you didn't go to the store, you went to the movie theater because you were off school or off work. And the parents would bring the kids and dump them off and go shop or something and come back and get them. I mean, it, it was... Thanksgiving afternoon, we would do the same thing we did on Christmas Day. The first show we wouldn't have, and then the 3 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 7 o'clock, and those would all be packed, too, because people, if you don't want to watch football, and you're done with dinner, (laughs) you go to the movies. (laughs) And a lot of movies opened the day before Thanksgiving, so you would have new movies to see in the theater, too. So, yeah, it was very busy. I noticed that on the TV. They have trailers for movies that are opening Christmas Day or Christmas uh-huh. Eve or Boxing Day. They like to open movies at that point. Speaking of Boxing Day, do you guys celebrate Boxing Day in Canada? Um, I don't know. It's not like a big celebration thing, but we know what it is. There are Boxing Day sales and such. Okay. It's more than Black Fridays, which doesn't exist. There is no Black Friday. Well, yeah, because you don't have Thanksgiving the day that we do, so of course not. Yeah. But there isn't a Black Tuesday either. Like ours is the first Monday in October is Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and they don't do the same thing after that. But. Well, yeah, 
I can understand that because the reason that we have Black Friday is because most people take the Thanksgiving weekend off. And yeah. you don't have that whole week <laughs> to shop. <laughs> yeah. The Thanksgiving weekend for us is before right. Thanksgiving. And right. Thanksgiving is the Monday, and then you go back to work. Do you guys know what Boxing Day is, really? Isn't that the day where if you don't like your presents, you box them up to return <laughs> No. <them? laughs> oh, damn, that's what I always thought it was. Boxing Day started in Great Britain because it was the day that the landowners would take boxes of fruit and food and gifts to their tenants okay. on their land. Oh, that sounds better than boxing yes. up your unliked presents. <laughs> but this, they would have, because the Lord of the Land would have the Christmas feast on Christmas Day, and then the next day was the day to visit the people who were working the farms and in the villages that were on the land. So that's why it's called Boxing Day. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I think I may have heard something about that before, but <laughs> yeah, my grandmother would often go to the <laughs> Boxing Day sales and that's where she'd get us our, um, for Christmas, she'd always give us a Christmas ornament mm-hmm. and it would be one that she got at the Boxing Day sales the year before or some several years before. Oh, wow. <laughs> so all the cousins got a Christmas ornament and she sort of stopped doing that now that we're all over 20 but <laughs> well you know the and, day after uh, Christmas is the best day to go get wrapping paper and ribbons and lights and everything for the next year oh yeah and Christmas candy like a week after it all goes like 25% off yes. 90% off we used to go to Target or CVS and just clean them out <laughs> Yeah, your problem then, though, is if you have the big box of stuff that you've got and you put it away, and then next Christmas you have no idea where it is. Yeah, we've done that, too. (laughs) (laughs) I was looking for something in my closet, opened it up, it's like, oh, look, wrapping paper. (laughs) Where did this come from? (laughs) I packed it up for use this year in a box I marked so plain. That stuff would sure be handy now, but it's never been seen again. But our family, like immediate family, we don't generally do that. Well, we're often traveling. We'll go and visit my mom's family or my dad's family. Mm -hmm. And then this year we're just sort of staying put, being together and just doing stuff around here. One of our... I can't really call it a tradition because we don't do it every year, but it's kind of fun when we do, is we often build a gingerbread house. Oh. Um, we probably Aww. won't be doing it this year because last year we built a giant one. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> we were still eating things from the gingerbread house in April. Oh, my. <laughs> nice. It was kept in the freezer, nice. naturally, but still. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. You just reminded me, last Christmas we went to Hawaii because my brother was graduating college last spring. That was his big trip present because I didn't know how travel plans were going to work out with work in the summer. And they had a gigantic, like, it literally was as big, as tall as I am. That's the gingerbread house. That's a big gingerbread house. It was Ours huge. wasn't that big, but it was pretty big for there only being three of us most of the time. I mean, my sister was there when we actually were making it, so she helped a little bit with the eating part afterwards, but then she had to go back. So, I think that actually came from my dad's family. If we went to grandma's, they'd usually have one that they'd made, Mm -hmm. but for us, ourselves, we it's not a regular thing, but it's sometimes nice. 
Yeah. I think I posted pictures of it last year. It's on the pic thread in some archive somewhere. But I think you were rolling it out, weren't you? Yeah, something some of those like pictures. that. Yeah, I remember that. We never did gingerbread houses. Mm-hmm. We Me used either. to make ornaments with the billions of pins and sequins and beads. And you'd push okay. the pins into a styrofoam ball. I have several ornaments that we made that were like that. But we would find sequins for months <laughs> afterwards. Nice. <laughs> Look, here's a blue one, you know. Yeah. I built the milk carton gingerbread houses okay. that they do in schools, but other than that. <laughs> yeah, by us, the thing to do is, like, in Hebrew school, kids make little menorahs out of, like, uh oh, I don't even know what they use for the base. You could use, like, a stone or something like that like a flat stone and like bolts <laughs> sort of glue the bolts on or have little tiles or something to decorate it with. Okay. That was our big arts and crafts project for Hanukkah. One of the people that I follow on Twitter is Vicki Howell, who's a knitter. And for several weeks before Hanukkah this year, she had hardware menorahs, <laughs> like directions how to make them out of going to the hardware store and getting the pieces from there. <laughs> I have no oh, idea that's... what she used. <laughs> Uh, I remember when I was in high school, we decided my grandmother needed a new menorah, so we made her one out of mahjong tiles, Okay. which was actually pretty cool, because I saw one in a Judaica shop once, and I was like, oh, that'd be cool. My grandma would really like that, because my grandma used to play mahjong. She gave me an old mahjong set that was missing some of the pieces, so my dad and I like super glued it together and you know, went to CVS and bought a cheap menorah and took the tops off and glued them on to the mahjong tiles, and it was pretty cool, and she used it for a couple of years until she passed away. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Things to make out of, it's like dominoes, you know, make them out of dominoes. Yeah. Yeah. Like what to do when you lose pieces of your mahjong. (laughs) Lose pieces for a menorah. It's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah, we thought it was clever and she liked it. Next year, I need to figure out an alternative to a Christmas tree because trees are illegal in Chicago city limits because everyone has apartments here. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can't have a tree. You can't have combustible things. And no, not even the apartments. plastic ones. You can't have a you plastic, have plastic tree? ones, but I don't really have the room yeah. for a plastic tree either. I have a three foot well, you tall. Could make one of the yeah, two foot tall little yeah. ones. Mm-hmm. The light strands weighed more than the tree did. I mean, <laughs> oh dear. <laughs> I have one of the Superman, the Superman um, Christmas ornaments where it's the telephone box and it flips back and forth between Clark Kent and Superman and it weighed more than the tree did. So I would, I attached it to the lights and it sat on the table next to the tree. (laughs) (laughs) When we moved into this house, there was a box that said Christmas tree on it. Before that, we generally got real trees, but this one came with a tree and we unpacked it the first Christmas and it turns out it's actually the top of one tree and the bottom of a completely different tree. <laughs> nice. So the top Fun. of the one tree became a little mini tree for the hallway. Okay, I have a question for you. Since you had that artificial tree, now I grew up with an artificial tree, okay? This was the tree that my parents bought when I was about a year old. Because there's pictures of me as a baby with this tree in the background, and it's eight foot tall. It goes all the way to the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And the box, it's the original cardboard box. 
and it's got masking tape all over it and it's all beat up and everything. And it's so funny because everybody who I know who has an artificial tree that they take apart and put back together every Christmas, their Christmas tree box looks exactly the same. It's covered with masking tape. (laughs) And it's beat up and it's pushed in on the sides and the cardboard is becoming flimsy because it's... But we still have that tree. It's... (laughs) It takes about an hour to put it up. Yeah, is it the one like when I was a kid? Because the ones nowadays, they come in like two pieces and you put them together and they go together really fast. But when I was little, we had one and it had the trunk of the tree Uh and then there were little holes drilled around it and Uh the holes were color coordinated. You had to to match the branches. (laughs) Yes. And And they had to to point up in the right because it would come out from the tree trunk and then the end would have like three branches on the end and it would kind of curve up a little. Mm-hmm. And that was the, like I said, it would take us an hour to put the tree together. Yep, I remember that tree. <laughs> I remember having to do one of those. <laughs> oh, and then still have those ornaments on it, too, and everything. It was like, oh, my gosh, it would take all day to decorate the tree. <laughs> it takes me, like, two seconds to pull my menorah out of the break front. You got an advantage there. Yeah, go downstairs and pull out a box of Hanukkah candles. I'm ready to go. <laughs> or, we opted not to have a tree this year. Oh, well, so, you have two new cats, so yeah, I can understand why. Yeah, yeah, we have a little metal tree that my mom hangs gold. It's all gold ornaments on. So we've set that up where we put the live tree last year. Ah. And set the presents around it. So, okay. yeah, but the kittens would have destroyed it. Absolutely yeah. destroyed it. You know, it's, it's interesting. I live in a condominium complex and usually I see people, they have lights around their windows and stuff because you can't hang them from the eaves because we don't own the eaves apparently, right. but people will decorate their balconies and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I've only seen like maybe four or five people who've done any decorating. And I was like, you know, what? I'm going to put my lights up. <laughs> I have two things that I put up. I have one of those big snowflakes that were mm-hmm. real popular a couple of years ago. They're like mm-hmm. 20 inches wide and they have lights all over them. And that's hanging in one window. And then I have season's greetings in the other window. But I haven't seen anybody else's. It's just really weird. That's sad. Yeah. So There's cute. houses all up and down my block that have lights out and candles in the windows and all that sorts of stuff. Yeah, I just don't I think actually, that people like are it. motivated to do it. I don't know why. No. Not to mention electricity is expensive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean... I live in a city, so, like, ordinances are weird around here. There's certain things that you can't, like, you can put a simple string of lights in your window, but you can't go over the top. Okay. Because the light pollution around here is bad enough without Christmas lights. (laughs) Give me a break. (laughs) Oh, that reminds me. I was in Kern Heights for Shabbos, and if anybody doesn't know, Kern Heights is like Lubavitch World Headquarters. It's like the most Jewish place ever. But there are many non-Jewish families who also live there. And so I was like, got on the balcony of this house where I was staying and I looked over and I saw that one of the other families in the neighborhood had put like, you know, those plastic reindeer that light up? Uh, mm-hmm. yes. Not the kind that they had at the Yule Ball last night, but the kind that are like wire yeah. reindeer. This family had put up like three of them on the roof of their house <laughs> in the middle of Crown Heights. I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> Yeah, and in the meanwhile, you look down on the street, and there's all these cars with menorahs on top, because they have like menorah parades. So all the cars sort of get in a line and like drive down the street, blaring Hanukkah music, and with their menorahs all lit up. And then there was just these three reindeer. <laughs> the whole thing was hilarious. 
The funniest yeah. one I've ever seen is when I used to work over at Convergence and I lived with Sharon before she got married, there was a household on the way to work that somebody had just bought a new car. And they had eight of those wire reindeer. Eight of them. Yeah. And the car was a red Firebird. So the car was parked in the driveway sideways. And then the reindeer were lined up in front of it like it was pulling it. It was was cool. (laughs) Apparently it was a Christmas present for somebody. That's awesome. That's cute. (laughs) Very awesome. It showed up like three days before Christmas and people were stopping and like taking pictures of it. It was really a cool display. (laughs) The rangers were all lit up and the car had lights all over it and it was great. (laughs) That is cool. It's a better but reason yes. for stopping than the guy who has the dummy falling off the edge of his roof or whatever. <laughs> I was literally just thinking that. That's very funny, too. That one was cool. When we were talking about Christmas trees, it reminded me I was wandering the Internet because Mom was wanting to see if we could recycle our old-style Christmas lights. But in the process of looking for that stuff, I found a place that rents live Christmas trees. And what they do is they deliver to you the pot with the tree in it, uh-huh. and it grows a little bit over the Christmas season, and then you mm-hmm. give it back. And That's a if good you, idea. if you really like it, you can rent the exact same tree the next year because they all have barcodes and things. <laughs> we had uh, friends of mine used to get a Christmas tree every year, and it was always different. We had the Christmas tree, and we had the Hanukkah shrub, and we had the Kwanzaa bush. Yeah, it was a different thing every year. And they would take these out and then they would plant them in the side yard. Well, they don't live there anymore. Cindy passed away several years ago and Ron has since disappeared. But the trees are still there. And some of the trees are 30 feet tall. Wow. They're huge. Probably eight of them are alive and they're different types of pine. So Mm -hmm. you'll have one that's one kind and one that's another. But they're all anywhere between 15 and 30 feet tall, which is wow. huge. <laughs> so yeah. It's like this cool. pine forest on the corner of the street. <laughs> and, they were all, really and they were all Christmas trees. So, yeah, yeah. it was really cool. Uh, this place only goes up to eight feet. You can rent a two-foot one, and there's various steps of size that you can take, and then the highest is eight feet. And they have different sorts of tree as well. But So what do they do when they get to Because they're eight trying feet? to be... Um, I don't know. They probably plant them somewhere. So far, they've only been running for a couple of years, so they Ah. haven't run into that. It's a place down in California, so they only mostly serve areas around there because they're trying to be ecologically friendly by doing this. Mm -hmm. So people aren't killing trees every year. They can just get a living tree, and then they'll take it back and take care of it through the rest of the year and then rent it out again. That's that's a great idea. Especially in California, because trees in California cost in mint. Uh huh. This uh-huh. is $50 for the two foot tree and 185 for the eight foot tree, I think. Wow. And everything else wow. is in between. <laughs> yeah. But it's close to that to buy the dead tree. Mm-hmm. It's, it is? Oh yeah. my god. Really? I think so. Well, I mean, we bought a six foot tree that was to cut and that was like, I think maybe $20. <laughs> no, I think they probably started at 50 Wow. In California. I know wow. that's why. I like living in Missouri. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. And I'm in Oregon, right? I could walk out in the back 40 and cut my own down. But I know they're really expensive down there. We had evergreen that's trees. why my brother went ahead and bought a fake tree. We had evergreen trees when I was growing up outside. 
along the side of the house. And my mother never wanted to put lights on it because one year my aunt and uncle did that. They had an evergreen and they had lights on it. And somebody came and cut it down in the middle of the night and pulled it away. Oh, no. Oh, my God. They weren't any larger than maybe six or seven feet tall, so she was afraid somebody was going to do that. Well, now I drive by that house, and there's two of them that are still alive, and they're taller than the house is, you know, and it's two stories. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It's like, I don't think you can even reach the top to put lights on that. (laughs) Yeah, you need a crane. Right. <laughs> oh, boy. I know people who do that. They'll rent a crane from the city. Uh-huh. They'll have a really big tree in front of their house, and they'll just put lights on it. Mm-hmm. Or just leave them up there. That's what we do. Well, you have to understand, I'm from kind of a rich neighborhood, so people spend money on stuff like this. But my parents are really frugal and also getting older. So my dad stopped taking down the lights every year because it was too much of a hassle. (laughs) And my mom doesn't like him going out on a ladder Mm -hmm. because she worries about him. They're like an old married couple when they talk about the Christmas lights because it's the same conversation every single time. (laughs) You're going to fall. Like, stop. You know, because he'll still go out and put up Christmas lights. He'll still clean out the gutters and do all that. And my mom keeps trying to convince him to hire a service to do it. It's pretty funny. My grandpa still goes out and hangs the lights on the house every year. He's 84. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. We've been leaving ours up the past two or three years. The string along the front, anyway. The ones that crack me up are the ones that leave the icicle lights, mm-hmm. you know, the strings yeah. that hang down. It's like, can mm-hmm. you please take those off of your house? It's June. <laughs> well, but it's snowing. <laughs> it's not <laughs> snowing in June. <laughs> Haven't you heard of Christmas in July? Come no. On. Yeah. We don't live in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, somewhere it's snowing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Somewhere Keza is cold. <laughs> well, right now Keza is not cold. No, no. <laughs> yes, my brother is actually going. He's teaching for a year in Japan, and he's going to Australia. And he, last week he told me this, and I was like, "I hate you." <laughs> he's like, "Why?" I'm like, "I have friends over there." That would be fun. It's like, show up. Hi, you don't know me, but my sister's on your forum. <laughs> <laughs> We had we had uh, our Christmas party at work on Thursday, and somebody brought in the Loft House cookies. I don't know if you guys have those. They're sugar cookies that have about an inch thick of frosting on them. Ooh. Yeah, and what's funny was they had star-shaped ones. And when I say star-shaped, I don't mean five points. I mean six. six? Yes. Nice. And somebody closed the lid and was like, hey, these are Jewish. <laughs> <laughs> and they are. They're kosher, iced sugar cookies. Oh, cute. And on the front of it, it's got Stars of David all over the front of the package. I'm like, they're good. Nice. Ask me one. Yes. Really? Yes. There were Anthony Goldstein cookies at uh, the Evil Day. I know. I'm so sad I missed them. But anyway, after, so we were in Brookline, and despite, the, uh, the kosher bagels and cream cheese that Megs had bought for me, we decided that since we were there, we were going to go for bagels and cream cheese in Brookline. <laughs> so we went out, we found this bagel place, and, and I had a garlic bagel with chive cream cheese, and it was very delicious. And afterwards, I was like, all right, I know I'm going to regret this decision, but there is a Jewish bookstore 
and I can never walk by a Jewish bookstore without at least going in. So let's just see what they have. And how so much did you spend? Went, <laughs> 50 bucks. <laughs> I really, I didn't mean to, but they had a book called Yiddish for Babies. Ah, that was just like quelling. Baby made in the potty and mommy is quelling. <laughs> I was like, schluffen, tired. Baby cried all morning and we'll be schluffing soon. <laughs> Things like that. So I thought like that was too cute to not buy. And then we went into the media section and we saw Shalom Sesame, which was from the 80s, like Sesame Street and Rachel Simpson had combined to make a special series about Sesame Street in Israel. And we saw them on DVD and I remember watching them as a kid, so I bought two of them. <laughs> Right. Oh, but you know what was also cool? Megs and I almost plotted because we were in the store and we were about to check out and I looked at a shelf and there were five Harry Potter books in Hebrew. Oh. Ah. Oh. It was so cool. I took a picture of them on my phone. It was very, very cool. They had Sorcerer's Stone, Prisoner of Azkaban, Goblet of Fire, Order of the Phoenix, and Half Footprints. Oh, they very didn't have cool. the last one. Has they the last have one? Deathly Hallows or Chamber of Secrets. Has Deathly Hallows been released in Hebrew? Probably, but I don't know for sure. Because a lot of I, we keep seeing things that say Deathly Hallows now released in Mandarin. Reminds me, yeah. yeah. That reminds me, I need to get my copy of Harry Potter Vanati Chatsi Haddam back from Itai. <laughs> Which is? A while. Half Blood Prince. Okay. <laughs> he, he's nice. had my copy for a while. I bought it when I was in Israel in 2006. Mm-hmm. And I loaned it to him maybe about a year or so after that. And I think he's had it ever since. So I kind of would like it back. Itai is listening to this podcast. I I mean, I don't need it. It's not like a rush. It's not like I can read it or anything. (laughs) I just bought it because I really wanted to own a Harry Potter book in Hebrew. So, like, if he has it and he's reading it, like, by all means, he should hang on to it until the cows come home. But (laughs) I was just like, where did that go? And then I was like, oh, yeah, Itai has it. (laughs) Itai, if you're listening, there's a late Hanukkah present for Julia. Could you please get her a copy (laughs) of... (laughs) It's it's fine. It's like I said, it's not like I can read it or anything. I just wanted to have it. Yeah. My sister has Sorcerer's Stone in ancient Greek, so it's some Herios Potter, and uh, I can't remember what the phrase is, but yeah. All the names are fun because they've transcribed them to Greek names, so it's like Dorslios is Vernon, and uh, Hygriodas, and you know. <laughs> That's actually kind of cool. <laughs> that is really cool. I was looking like online one day. You know? <laughs> I was looking online one day at the covers and somebody, one version of it has the author listed as J.K. Rolling Over. <gasps> oh. <laughs> rolling, rolling Nova or something like that. I just thought that was so funny. Oh, dear. I have two of the books in Spanish, which I like to break out once in a while. That's cool. I don't know enough Spanish on. to do it. It's good with Harry Potter's just because I've read them so many times. It's just like, I know what's going on, even if I wouldn't understand the language. Yeah. <laughs> how to teach yourself how to read Spanish. Here's my Harry Potter in English, and here it is in Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so now you can say in Spanish, it was a dull gray Tuesday when our story starts. <laughs> 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 Which will help you oh so much. I'm sure, right. But, oh, yeah. yes. Very much. Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four, Privet Drive, were proud to say that they were perfectly normal. Thank you very much. <laughs> you want me to get it? No. It's okay. No. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. So I'm assuming we probably, probably don't need to cover the pick. 
Probably not. No, I think we're good. Yeah. I was amused when we were talking about kitchen disasters because that's what happens in the fic. (laughs) Yes, it's true. Lily's pudding explodes and uh, the gravy eats through the... China. uh, She (laughs) breaks five teacups or, yeah, it was for Lily. We'll put a link in the show notes. To the fic we didn't cover. It's called Christmas 1980 and the author's name is Ignipes. I actually did a reading of this last year for Spellcast, so if you want to listen to the audio, it's very short. And we'll link both the text version and the audio version in the show notes if you want. But, um, yeah, we didn't have time to talk about it, so, which is fine. <laughs> yeah. We, we talked fun. about other fun things. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed listening to us ramble. Does anybody else have any stories or comments or confessions or anything else? Holiday related of any sort. Right. You like singing, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) I'm okay. I don't think I need to sing. My voice is a little shot from the Yule Ball. From the Yule Ball, yeah. My voice Just a little. Harry shot. and the Potters do that to me, but it's not nearly as bad as it was after Rockstock or Leaky Cod oh. or anything like that. Rockstock, I couldn't talk for a week. It was pretty bad. We'll have, yeah. uh, I don't know if there's any snow on the ground where Scott is. Mm-hmm. You have Has snow? since December 1st. My goodness. Wow. Sue may or may not have snow for Christmas. It's looking like I'm going to have a snowstorm for Christmas Eve, Christmas Day here in the middle of the country, which will leak its way on up to Chicago. Yeah. So, yeah, this will be fun. White Christmas is always good. Yeah. I haven't had one in a while. Yeah, we haven't had one here for a while either. There's been snow on the ground for Christmas, but it's been a very, very long time since it's actually snowed on Christmas Eve. Yeah, I can't remember the last time it snowed on Christmas Eve up here. We've had Christmases where it's been 60 degrees on Christmas Day, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and a week later wow. it's, you know, two above. Yeah. That's I've always been happy. surprised when they do that in movies, like the Muppet Christmas thing had it finally snowing on Christmas Day. I was like, wait, they haven't had snow for two weeks already, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not it's, us. It's, Although this time or, last year we had two feet of snow. Last year I haven't seen the snow yet. Huh. Aren't we all supposed to get slammed this winter because isn't it El Nino? Uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah, but that means that Chicago is going to be very dry and very cold, which is just more worry. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's been fun because the weather is just kind of wacky. But yeah. I, yeah. I'm not sure if, I guess most of the country is supposed to, most of the country that gets cold in wintertime is supposed to have snow on the ground. We've been threatened yeah. twice with snow. We've had none when they said we were supposed to get an inch or two, and then we had like a quarter of an inch when they said we were going to get about an inch. So oh, it's no just fun. been hardly anything. And everybody's like, oh, my God, go to the store, buy milk, buy bread. It's like, you're going to be snowed for what, 15 minutes? Why do you need milk <laughs> <Yeah>. and bread? <laughs> Yeah, Kelly, you'll appreciate this. So when I was in for Evil Day, apparently no New Yorkers know how to deal with snow like that that much. It was like a foot of snow. It wasn't that bad. (laughs) But like, like I was one of my friends didn't know how to work the defroster. So she put on the AC for the defroster. Ooh. Oh, she was like trying to explain herself like to her, like, no, you have to put on the heat. She's like, no, but that just fogs up the window. I'm like, If you put the if you put the air conditioning on hot, it'll take the moisture out of the air and heat the window at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> That's what a defoster does. Ugh. And then like I would I was the one who scraped the car windows every like every five minutes because 
the the ice was really bad last night or two nights yeah. ago. Yeah. Well, yeah. I went out there with. I went out there with a with a scraper around midnight on Saturday night, and I or maybe like eleven. I went out there with the nine year old, and we scraped um, maybe four or five inches of snow off my car. And the next morning, I went out and scraped off another six. Mm-hmm. And for the six inches, I had to use a shovel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I couldn't get the uh, I, the brush wasn't doing it. We have a so broom. I, I sho- we have a broom with a long handle, oh, one I of sh- the deck brooms, and I'll just I put it on put it on one side of the on um, one side of the windshield and just push back and forth across mm-hmm. the windshield until it's cleaned off. <laughs> I well. should get one of those. That's a good idea. It works great. I use it in the summertime to sweep my patio, and I use it in the wintertime to clean off the windshield. <laughs> it's nice. the only way to go. <laughs> That's smart. Yeah. I used to shovel because yeah. I'd have a proof. We have a snow shovel. I use it to clean out the chicken coop. Yeah, but you can't use it on your windshield. No. No. I did. <laughs> yeah, people didn't uh yesterday morning. Yeah. The the funny the, the bad thing was that apparently they don't know how to deal with snow, like anything in Hoboken and like no one does anything after ten PM. The party ended at eleven the hotel was 0.6 miles away. We got there by three. Wow. Yeah. I would have I walked. See, that's why <laughs> I didn't a, go. A bunch of people did. John was telling us the next day, like, he has wireless through his cell phone. So he was half planning on putting on pot of just his face lit up and fully dark and snowing behind him. <laughs> I'm still like, going to the hotel. No. Like Blair Witch Project. <laughs> no, he was, yeah. was going to say, like, everybody is dead. Yeah, Blair Witch. See, that's why I didn't go. I wanted to, but then that happened, and I was like, maybe not. Yeah, usually we get snow on Halloween, and it sticks, whereas this year we got snow on Halloween, and then it vanished, and we had fall again for all of November, and then we had winter since December 1st. Mm-hmm. But it was um, kind of weird. But. Yeah, winter started today. Tonight is the longest night of the year. The solstice was actually at 11, uh, 1747 UTC, whatever that is, wherever everyone is. 1747 UTC would have been about noon. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. I was talking yesterday evening. I was on the phone with Cody. Because Cody and Richard were also supposed to come to Evil Day. And uh, Cody was just like, Julia... There were supposed to be four Pufuanians in one room. We yeah. should have known that there was going to be a disaster. <laughs> yeah. we, should have, we should have seen this one coming. How did we not? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so like I think Richard was planning to drive up with the Humdingers from North Carolina, and they got as far as Virginia before they got turned around by all the snow. And Cody was staying with a friend in Jersey, and she woke up Saturday Saturday morning and looked out the window and said, yeah, we're not going anywhere. And I got stuck in Brooklyn, and Kat was the only one who made it. Yay, Kat. I, I, I was very close to not making it, though. My flight was the only one to make it out to that area. Every other single one of the flights out of O'Hare got canceled. Huh. Yeah, there was a, one of the guys that I tweet with, Went to Halifax, Halifax, you know, Newfoundland, <laughs> Nova Scotia, mm-hmm. and yes. um, came into, drove up to St. Louis, lives in Fort Smith, drove up to St. Louis, and the flight from St. Louis to Chicago got canceled because it wasn't in St. Louis because it was stuck on the ground in Baltimore. 
yeah. the plane. The Mid-Atlantic slates got slammed. Yeah, so he, but he finally did, and it was his birthday. So he's like, yeah, I just spent five and a half hours at Lambert Airport standing in line for my birthday. Go me. But he finally Ooh. did get on a plane and and got to Halifax and is now on his way back to St. Louis. <laughs> it's like, oh, honey. That's so funny. Jared, um, Jared Gredin Forge, um, he also lives around North Carolina and he posted a picture of uh, somewhere, I guess his backyard or somewhere, like covered in snow. And I'm sure like half of North Carolina is like shut down because they don't really get much snow down there. So they're like all freaking out. They don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. That was uh, mean of you, by the way, to do that to camp. Wait, was that you or no, wait, it was, uh, oh, no, I can't, this is happened? where Joy Meg's. No, no, no. Uh, Megs and Justin tricked oh, Tammy. That was hilarious. They, I was in on that. That was funny. <laughs> they told. They, they told. We were trying Tammy. to get her to leave, and she was like, ta- she was attached to Brian, and she wouldn't leave. And so we decided that there was only one way to get her attention to get her to leave, which was Justin shouting, "Cammy!" Did you see Jared just like ran upstairs? <laughs> Did you like go look? And Cammy turned around and was like, "What? No way! Really?" And we were like, "Yeah, really." And she was like two seconds away from leaving before she figured it out. <laughs> that was pretty funny. Oh gosh, oh, I was just I was Justin's idea, it wasn't mine, but it was very well played. Crazy, crazy wizard rockers. Well, I yeah, think I we've come to the end of our podcast. pretty much i hope that all of you who are listening who celebrate christmas have a great one and those of you who've already had your holidays i hope they were good too hopefully none of you run into weather disasters on your way to or from anywhere these holidays and i guess we'll say good night have a good time everyone happy holidays yeah happy holidays everyone happy holidays happy new year merry christmas to all and to all a good night Bye. Sidewalks dressed in holiday style. In the air, there's a feeling of Christmas. Children laughing, people passing, meeting smile after smile. And on every street corner, you hear. Santa Claus is busy now because it's Christmas time in the city. They fill the winter air. You'll hear it everywhere. Soon it will be Christmas Day. Strings 
of street lights, even stop lights, blink a bright red and green as the shoppers rush home with their treasures. Hear the snow crunch, see the kids bunch. This is Santa's big scene. And above all this bustle you hear Silver bells Silver bells It's Christmas time in the city Ring a Hear them ring
four founders, objects three, cockroaches two, knitted mittens, and Harry and Slytherin with me. On the eleventh day of Christmas, Adri gave to me eleven Spanish purebloods, ten dungeon shortcuts, nine army penguins, eight bits of snow, seven brand new banners, six serpent sources, five silver snakes. Four founders, objects three, cockroaches two, knitted mittens, and Harry and Slytherin with me. On the twelfth day of Christmas, Rosie gave to me twelve warming charms, eleven Spanish purebloods, ten dungeon shortcuts, nine army penguins, eight bits of snow, seven brand new banners, six serpent sources, five silver snakes. Four founders, objects, three cockroaches, two knitted mittens, and Harry and Slytherin with me. God rest you merry gentlemen, let nothing you dismay. For Jesus Christ our Savior was born upon this day To save us all from Satan's power when we were gone astray What tidings have comfort and joy and joy What tidings have comfort and joy Hi Puffwa, this is Rosie from the forums. This year I decided to write a poem for Christmas. So, happy holidays, everyone, and here's a sonnet about Slytherin House and Christmas. Each Christmas time, the houses go all out, with each house decked in its colors so fine. Rooms being decorated all rush about, and each house has its own evergreen pine. Then one Slytherin thought, it must be fate. I know my fellow housemates will agree. Only we can fully appreciate the glorious green of each festive tree. The Slytherins planned a clever rescue of trees stranded near blue, yellow, or red. This course of action they had to pursue, and soon succeeded, but that goes unsaid. We will take back all these now, if you please. Slytherins now have all the Christmas trees. God rest you merry hippogriffs, let nothing you dismay. Remember Harry Potter is here for Christmas Day. He saved us all from Voldemort's car, which now has gone astray. Oh, tidings of Alfred's on the wall, heads on the wall. Oh, tidings of Alfred's on the wall. From James and Lily Potter, this wizard hero came. His eyes are just like Lily's, but he looks dressed like James. But Voldemort came that fateful night, and both of them were slain. Oh, tidings of elf heads on the wall, heads on the wall. Oh, tidings of elf heads on the wall. And when he came to Hogwarts, where Dumbledore was head, and Potter was a hero, but to trouble he was led. And now he's here at House 13, where serious parents dead. Oh, tidings of elf heads on the wall, heads on the wall. Oh, tidings of elf heads on the wall. Bless you, Mary Hippogriff, let nothing you dismay. Remember, Harry Potter is here for Christmas Day. He saved us all from one more spot, which now has gone astray. Oh, tidings of elf heads on the wall, heads on the wall. Oh, tidings of elf heads on the wall. 
And now, a present from some of Hufflepuff House to all of Puffwam. Thanks go to Scarlet of Ravenclaw and our own Lassie Lupin for almost simultaneously discovering and recommending this some months ago. You can blame, uh, thank Sam and April for the fact that anything actually happened. With lyrics by The Unstoppable Hugging Machine and music by some British guys you may have heard of, here is our musical selection. In the town where I was born Lived a wizard named Cedric D And he told us of his life In the land of badger dens So we sailed up to the sun Till we found the sea of fur Black and white fur and some claws In our yellow badger den We all live in a yellow badger den Yellow badger den Yellow badger den We all live in a yellow badger den Yellow badger den Yellow badger den And our friends are all on board Many more of them live next door And the band begins to play Been hoping that you drop in. Very nice. I'll hold 
Hold your hands then, just like I. Father will start to Beautiful, what's your word? Father will be pacing the Just listen to the fireplace
no crutch, see the kids bunch, and this is Santa's big scene. And above all this bustle, you'll hear silver bells, silver bells. It's Christmas time in the city.
A merry little Christmas This is Huggles Honey for the PFW Christmas Special. Lyrics by Lady Chi and Jen Tu. Huggles Honey, stick a headset under the tree for me. I've been an awful good girl, Huggles Honey, and hurry down the chimney tonight. Huggles, honey, a 54-day log in time, too. It's true. I'll not log up at all. Huggles, honey, and hurry down the chimney tonight. I just think of all the fun I've missed. Think of all the Richards that I haven't kissed. Next year, I could be oh so good. If you check off my list, ba-do-ba-do, Huggles, honey, I want a laptop, and really that's not a lot. I've been an angel all year, Huggles, honey, hurry with the podcast tonight. Huggles, sweetie, there's one thing I really do need, the deed. To the poop was sincere, Huggles, sweetie, and hurry down the chimney tonight. Huggles, honey, fill my stocking with the prefect. And yes, you can sign your ex on the line. Huggles, honey, I'm coming to your office tonight. Let's see if you believe in cheap I do too Huggles, honey Forgot to mention one little thing A ring I don't mean for Danielle Huggles, honey Get that podcast online right now Yeah, get the podcast online right now uh, Get that podcast online right now Show for your listening tree here. Now listen to the song about our premiere. Ryan had a blog. He read a couple of fics. Then he started poof for a Potter fin fic fix. Oh, Ravenclaws, Hufflepuffs, Slytherins, and Gifts. Ryan had some veggies in his stomach. Threw some fits. Kong of G. Smut of Jen Calamities galore. We're one big happy family where there's always something more. Then we have the forums. They're always lots of fun. Where we can post at any time and talk to anyone. The room of come and go. It's always what we need. With only certain privilege guys to see what we mean. Oh, Ravenclaws, Hufflepuffs, Slytherins, and Griffs. Ryan had some veggies on his stomach. Do some fits. Gong of G's, Mud of Jam, Calamities galore. We're one big happy family where there's always something more. 
a couple of days ago, we had a pickleball with dancing, singing, drinking, all in our great hall. We posted on the boards and played a lot of games. Julia went Jeopardy and put us all to shame. Oh, Ravenclaw, Sufflepuff, Slytherins, and Grips. Ryan had some bad cheese on his stomach, threw some fits, gone with cheese, might have drank calamities galore. We're one big happy family where there's always something more. During the sound checks, from Jen we learn a lot about bug doctors and Yellowstone made that one beer going rot. Then they start the show, after some teen tries. Then they talk of fanfics, till their brains all fly. When the week is done, our hosts will all be goo. And when we hear Rob's sexy voice, we will be too. Five episodes in one week, we're in for a great time. Then again, that's the reason that I wrote this rhyme. Oh, Ravenclaws, awful buffs, Slytherins, and Grips. Ryan had some bad cheese in his stomach, threw some bits. Kong of cheese, smut of gin, calamities galore. We're one big happy family where there's always room for more. That was Allie from the forums, from Ravenclaw, wishing you a very merry Puffle Christmas, and apologizing for the fact that she cannot sing. Bye. Hello, this is Cody. Um, Ryan put out something to the common room saying that he wanted people to call in to the Christmas show and talk about people who, you know, made a difference for them in PFW. So I said I'd do that. Um, first, I would just like to say thank you to Tay for being the best head of house anyone could ever ask for. You are so enthusiastic. You're dedicated. You know, you really make it seem like you care about the people in your house. And also, just on a personal level, you've always been there when I need someone to talk to or need someone like that. Second, I just wanted to say thank you to PS for being such a fantastic beta for, um always, you know, doing stuff when I need her to, and I don't know what my stories would be without her and her wonderful red pen. Um, also, I'd just like to say thank you to everyone who is a member of the Tufolno family on the forums, because, you know, even though it's, it's fun and it's a role-playing, it really does emphasize how much this forum is like a family. Also, thank you for putting up with me taking 10 years to get back for you. I know... I take forever. It's pretty erratic, but you put up with me, so thank you. Finally, I'd just like to say thank you to everyone who's on the forums, everyone who has been, everyone who may plan on joining the forums, because honestly, without people, the community that you've come to love wouldn't be a community. It would just be a site, and you know, nothing would be there that would make people love it the way they do. And... Let's see. And honestly, if this, it wasn't for this form, I don't know if I would still be in the fandom in the way that, you know, being still involved. Because the story's over, but the friendships aren't. And that's the entire point. But I'm hoping that this forum, you know, like its slogan, the story never ends, is that this community will keep going for as long as we want it to keep going for. Um, that's it. Merry Christmas to everyone, or whatever holiday you celebrate. Have a great winter. Um, have fun listening to all the episodes that are coming out. And, yeah, happy holidays. Dear Ryan, I came into this place kind of late, first listening in August due to Melinda's The Seventh Horcrux, and in that short time, I've truly seen the magic of Poufoy, and you deserve all the credit for that. She once told me that Potterfic Weekly somehow attracts the nicest people in the world, and I wholeheartedly agree. If you had never started PFW, I wouldn't know some of the people that I now hold as good friends. Chi, Julia, Meg, Nicole, and Cody, just to name a few. If it hadn't been for PFW, I never would have been introduced to Wizard Rock, much less starting Wizard Rock radio station and podcast. This site has attracted some of the most 
awesome Harry Potter fans in the fandom, and that is simply a tribute to you and the marvelous job you've done. I got into Potterfic Weekly hoping to hear a good discussion on a fic I absolutely adore, and stayed due to the online family I found there. Thank you for creating Poofa, Ryan. I've found so much more about me in the short time I've been a member than I did in many of my 19 years beforehand. So he here's to nearly a year of Poofa, and hopefully many more. Thank you for everything, Ryan. Dear Dan. Hey everyone, it's June from the forums, and this is a message for the Ravenclaws. Dear Ravenclaws, thank you all for welcoming me into the fold and for making me feel so at home at Puffla so quickly. Um, thanks for always being there for me. Thanks for being great friends, and thanks especially to Cousin Wolfie for making me crack up. And I really appreciate how you guys, like, all helped to, like, get the common room back alive again, thanks to Chi with that kick in the post here. And I just want to say that I'm really grateful that I know you guys. And, of course, that lends a thanks to Ryan for creating sites. But I recently sent a voice of, a voice of for that. So, thank you, Aiden Claus, to all of you, Gen 2, Gen, Chi, Dan, Kezo, Wolfie, Ali, Celine, Buffy, I've forgotten somebody, haven't I? Well, I'm sorry to those who have forgotten, thanks to all Ravenclaws, even those who aren't really here anymore, like Vanna. So, love you guys. Bye. The 12 Proof Our Days of Christmas, written and performed by a bunch of seriously sexy Slytherins. On the first day of Christmas, my Proof gave to me one hug from our headmaster, Huggles. On the second day of Christmas, my profile gave to me two rounds from she and a hug from our headmaster, Huggles. On the third day of Christmas, my profile gave to me three stripping widgets, two rounds from Jai and a hug from our headmaster, Huggles. On the fourth day of Christmas, my profile gave to me Four bouncing ferrets, three stripping witches, two rinse from chi, and a hug from my headmaster, Huggles. On the fifth day of Christmas, Malfoy gave to me five ninja hugs. Four bouncing ferrets, three stripping Richards, two rinse from Lady Chi, and a hug from our headmaster, Huggles. On the sixth day of Christmas, my Malfoy gave to me six sexy Slytherins. Five ninja hugs, four bouncing parrots, three ripping Richards, two rants from Chi, and a hug from our headmaster, Huggles. On the seventh day of Christmas, my profile gave to me seven doses of necklace, six sexy slithering, five ninja hugs. Four bouncing birds, three stripping Richards, two rants from Chi, and a hug from our headmaster, Huggles. On the eighth day of Christmas, my poofla gave to me eight Midwest explosions, seven doses of NyQuil, six sexy Slytherin, five ninja hugs, four bouncing ferrets, three stripping Richards, two rants from Chi, and a hug from Headmaster Hoggles. On the ninth day of Christmas, my poofla gave to me nine overdue podcasts, eight Midwest explosions, seven doses of NyQuil, six sexy Slytherins, five ninja hugs, 
four bouncing ferrets, three stripping Richards, two rants from she, and a hug from our headmaster, Huggles. On the tenth day of Christmas, my before gave to me. Ten performer stories, nine of Rudy podcast, eight Midwest explosions, seven decisions, Nyquil, six sexy Slytherins, five ninja hugs, four bouncing ferrets, three stripping Richards, two rants from she, and a hug from our headmaster, Huggles. On the eleventh day of Christmas, my Puffwa gave to me eleven tackle pounces, ten Puffwano stories, nine overdue podcasts, eight Midwest explosions, seven doses of NyQuil, six sexy Slytherins, five ninja hugs, four bouncing ferrets, three stripping Richards, two rants from Chi, and a hug from our headmaster, Huggles. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my Puffwa gave to me Twelve times almost dying, eleven tackle pounces, ten full no stories, nine overdue podcasts, eight Midwest explosions, seven doses of NyQuil, six sexy Slytherins, five ninja hawks, four bouncing ferrets, three stripping Richards, two Ramsunchi, and one hug from our headmaster Huggles. Thank you and good night. <laughs> Hi, Puffwa. It's Julia, and a very ma- Merry Christmas unto you all. Uh, as you probably know, I am Puffwa's resident Jew, and so when Jen asked me to sing a Christmas song for the Christmas episode, I said, well, yes, I'd love to, but I also want to sing a Hanukkah song. So I'm going to do that. But then I realized that there really aren't very many good Hanukkah songs, so rather than try to sing the Adam Sandler song or something equally awful, I'm just going to go with the traditional stuff. I'm going to sing the the uh, blessings that you say when you light the candle and then straight into Mahatsur. So, here we go. Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech Olam Asher Kitshanu B'mitzvosav V'tzivanu L'chalikner Shechanu Ka Baruch Atah Hashem Elokeinu Melech Olam Sheosa Nisim Lavoseinu Bayamim Ohim Bazaman Hazeh Ma'otzor Yeshu Asi Lachana El Shabayach Tikom Bestefi Lasi Fasam Tadon Yabayach Lies Tahima Bayach Vatsarhamana Bayach Azak Mor Vashir Mizmor Hanu Koshamiz Bayach Azak Mor Vashir Mizmor Hanu Koshamiz Bayach Okay, so that was that. I hope you all enjoyed that. And now, since Jen did ask me to sing a Christmas song, and I really hate to disappoint Jen, I am going to do just that. And I'm going to sing a song. It's by the Whomping Willows, and it's called Oh Christmas Tree. And if you don't know it, it is on the latest um, Wizard Rock Christmas CD called Jingle Spells. And you should really buy that if you haven't already, because it's amazing. So um, here we go. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-
Christmas time is special and I always get excited. Now that I'm in a famous van, I always get invited to the coolest wizard parties with the coolest wizard peeps. And if the party's broken up, we take it to the streets. I simply call up Matt and ask if I can possess his body. He's usually available and so I'm good to party. But if he's not available, I call up all my brothers and say, what well, up is Wampy, you should totally come over. We can hook up the 362 my 56 inch plasma it'll look so good it'll take your breath like you be having asthma and when we're done with that we can hit the fire whiskey just pour it on my roots and i'll be crunk in a jiffy what I'm spending Christmas chilling with my crew on Hogwarts grounds. We got Hagrid spinning records cause he knows how to get down. And he made it packed with Draco that there wouldn't be no drama. So Draco's got the mic and he be flowing like Madonna. And Pansy's right beside him, she can rock the synthesizer. And Dumbledore just got here and he brought some appetizers. He's got kettle chips, some onion dip, and a plate of cocktail wieners. Clam cakes, New England clam chatter, and a couple pounds of steamers. And the giant squid. I love that kid is a hit with all the ladies he'll get more groupies than sebastian bach did in the 80s even though it's winter time we'll stay hotter than hades we'll have those girlies howling like some doggies with the rabies what Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, wizards throw the best parties. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, big wampy drops the fattest beats. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, wizards throw the best parties. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, big wampy drops the fattest beats. What? What, 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 what? Okay, so that's it from me for now anyway. I hope you all enjoyed that. Uh, I certainly enjoyed making a fool out of myself in front of all of you. So uh, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy New Year, and Happy Everything to Everyone. Bye. <laughs> night the stars are brightly shining it is the night of our dear saviour's birth long lay the world in sin and error pining till he appeared and the soul felt its worth a thrill of hope the weary world rejoices for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn fall on your knees oh hear the angel
when Christ was born. O night, dear vine, O night, O night divine. Truly he taught us to love one another, his law is love, and his gospel is peace. Chain shall he break, for the slave is our brother, and in his name all oppression shall cease. Sweet hymns of joy, in grateful chorus raise we, let all within us praise his holy name. Christ is the Lord, then ever, ever praise we. His power and glory evermore proclaim. His power and glory evermore proclaim. <laughs> Your mean one, Lady She, you were from the past. You don't care what people say, you just go off on your rants, Lady She. You're a stick of dynamite, just waiting to blow. You roast them alive for Lady Chief. I wouldn't touch you with a 39 and a half foot pole. You're vile, Lady Chief. You have minions under your seat. You have all the tender sweetness of a motion sick hippogriff, Lady Chief. The choice between the two of them. I take the motion sick hippogriff. You know the lady sheep. When you talk, Decker sauerkraut and bootstool sandwich with arsenic sauce. You're rot, Lady Chief. You're the queen, brave and claw. 
snarky attitude Your housemates are an awe, lady chief Your biggest pet peeve is when someone uses words to make themselves look intelligent Like vociferous or numinotral microscopic silicones And when they put them in fits I found a couple of pretty good Harry Potter Christmas silks online, so I thought I'd sing one for you. God rest ye gloomy Severus, let nothing you dismay. Remember Potter's potions class is scheduled for this day. You'll have three hours to give him hell and for his father pay. With chiding and taunts from Malfoy, taunts from Malfoy, with chiding and taunts from Malfoy. Ladies and gentlemen, join me in welcoming to the stage, Dan, singing Blue Christmas.
was a fangirl two years ago or three. I went into the toy store, sat on Santa's knee. He asked me what I wanted, dinky toys or Ted's. I gazed into his big brown eyes, and this is what I said. I want Christmas, reading books one through seven. Christmas, writing lots of fanfic. Watching Harry Potter movies, hanging with the friends at Poofla Christmas. Spending the day with the boy who lived. Then on Christmas morning, underneath my tree, a big human-shaped parcel waiting there for me. I unwrapped it, and sitting there was a hot, hot man. My very own Alan Rickman, looking good as any man can. It was Christmas, reading books one through seven. Christmas, writing lots of fanfic. Watching Harry Potter movies, hanging with my friends at Poofa Christmas. Spending the day with the guy that looks like Snape. <laughs> Merry and bright. 
It's a community that, for many of us, has become a second home. So for all that you do for us, Ryan, I just want to say thanks. I love you, sweetie. Take care. Bye-bye. Hey, Poofwanians, this is Robert Standring over at Spellcast, and uh, I just wanted to wish all of you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year from the folks over at Fiction Alley and Spellcast. And uh, just before I go, I just want to leave you all with a very important note. Hey, uh, Ryan, get a sexier man voice. You're putting the women to sleep. Catch you guys later. Bye. Quickly from the forums, just wanted to wish you guys a Merry Christmas, a Happy New Year, and the best of luck in 2008. As Ryan said in, I think, episode 29, the PFW forums are a work of God. That's so true. Okay, see you guys. Bye. Hey, everyone. This is Jan from the forums, and I just wanted to wish everybody a Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Bye. When blossoms flowered mid the snows Upon a winter night Was born the child, the Christmas rose The King of love and light The angels sang, the shepherds sang The grateful earth rejoiced And at his blessed birth the stars Their exultation voiced O come let us adore him O come let us adore him O come let us adore him Christ the Lord Again the heart with rapture glows To greet the holy night That gave the world its Christmas rose Its king of love and light Let every voice acclaim his name The grateful chorus swell From paradise to earth he came That we with him might dwell O come let us adore him O come, let us adore him. O come, let us adore him. Christ the Lord. Ah. Let us adore him. Ah, adore him, Christ the Lord. 
Oh, come. Oh, come. Oh, come, let us adore him. Let us adore him. Christ the Lord. What child is this prophesies to save the wizarding world? Just as a baby saves us already vanquishing Lord Voldemort. This, this is Harry Potter whom we shall praise and help defend. Haste, haste to help him win against the evil we fear. Why lives he with such hateful muggle to treat him as their own house-elf? Bring him to Hogwarts, we beseech, where he may have loving friends. This, this is Harry Potter, whom we shall praise and help defend. Against the evil we fear. Why lit? So let him lead our DEA and help us vanquish the evil. Let us him follow as he leads us against Lord Voldemort's army. This, this is Harry Potter, whom we shall praise and help defend. Haste, to, to help him against the evil we fear. Is it that time of year? The time for a break and good cheer. Yeah, I know, I still have places to go, but I'd rather just stay right here. I'd be fine to just relax and unwind, and forget what I have to do. With just one wish, I'd be done and finished, and greeting all with this merry tune. Happy Christmas Day, let's celebrate the wizarding way. Happy Christmas Day, I remember how I loved the holidays. Though tragedy struck last year, some still have their love to share. The borough a marriage now mistletoe Keep positivity in the air So I reminisce through all the memories and this 
Seems to help me get by when I'm down. I wouldn't trade a thing for the friendships I've made. And I will fight just to keep them around. Happy Christmas Day. Let's celebrate the wizarding way. Happy Christmas Day. I remember how I loved the holidays. We all carry some sorrow. Nobody lives a perfect life. But just to know the sun will shine tomorrow can make everything seem alright. Happy Christmas Day. Let's celebrate the wizarding way. Happy Christmas Day. I remember how I loved the holidays. Happy Christmas Day. Let's celebrate the wizarding way. Happy Christmas Day. I remember how I loved the holidays. Oh. oh, 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 oh. Hello, Ryan. I was just about to go outside and start shoveling some of this wonderful ice that I know you're dealing with too, and Jen caught me. So I just wanted to call and leave this message. Merry Christmas. I don't think I can even begin to tell you how much I appreciate all you've done with PFW. You contacted me at a time when, although I was excited about the upcoming release of Deathly Hollows, my enthusiasm for the fandom was at an all-time low. I was honored that you'd selected my fic for discussion, and as I became more and more involved on the forum, I got back some of my passion for the whole wizarding world in general. You made it all fun again, and for that, I'll always hold you in the highest regard. You've been patient and kind with my lack of techno-savvy and always kept me in the loop of fun poofwa facts. I look forward to getting to meet you one day in real life and want to take this opportunity to wish you a very Merry Christmas. I'm one of your biggest fans. Bye. Oh, it's Melinda, by the way. <laughs> Bye. Hey, everyone. It's Jane from the forums again. I um, just wanted to say, just wanted to give out a thank you to Amy, a.k.a. Zephania. Is that how you pronounce it? Um, so thanks, Amy, for introducing me to PSW and for posting that link on HE to special edition number two because this has really changed my life. Thanks, Amy, and happy holidays. Bye. Hi, Ryan. Tina here with my holiday greeting. First of all, I just wanted to thank you for everything you do for PSW. I thought it was the greatest thing when you popped in at the After the End group and Melinda's group and invited us all to listen to your new Harry Potter fan fiction podcast. Um, I had been in the fandom for years before this, but I have to say, honestly, this is the first forum I've actively participated in and actually stayed with. So kudos to you. It was quite a thrill for me when you invited, you know, this self-proclaimed dorky mom to join uh, you and the other PFW casters on the Deathly Hallows Review. And it was my first excursion into podcasting and I just want to thank you for not only all the hard work and countless hours you've put into the PFW production, but the help you offer us people who aren't quite as technically inclined, you know, how the heck to load Skype, what headset should I buy, what the hell is an input setting, and all those wonderful things you do every day to help everyone out. The list goes on and on. 
all that goes unsaid because everyone knows how great you are. The best part is the tremendous friendships you have fostered and the incredible friend you have become to me and everyone in our little community. So for that, happy holidays, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful 2008. Thanks. Bye. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child. Grandma got run over by a reindeer Coming home from our house Christmas Eve You can say there's no such thing as Santa But as for me and Grandpa, we believe She'd been drinking too much eggnog And we'd begged her not to go But she'd left her medication So she stumbled out the door into the snow when they found her Christmas morning, at the scene of the attack, there were hoof prints on her forehead, and incriminating clothes marks on her back. Grandma got run over by a reindeer, walking home from our house Christmas Eve. You can say there's no such thing as Santa, but as for me and Grandpa, we believe. Now we're all so proud of Grandpa, he's been taking this so well. See him in there watching football, drinking beers and playing cards with Cousin Bell. It's not Christmas without Grandma. All the family's dressed in black. And we just can't help but wonder, should we open up her gifts or send them back? Grandma got run over by a reindeer, walking home from our house Christmas Eve. You can say there's no such thing as Santa, but as for me and Grandpa, we believe. Now the goose is on the table, and the pudding made of fig, and a blue and silver candle that would have matched a hair in Grandma's wig. I've warned all my friends and neighbors, better watch out for yourselves. They should never give a license to a man who drives a sleigh and plays with elves. Grandma got run over by a reindeer, went home from our house Christmas Eve. You can say there's no such thing as Santa, but as for me and Grandpa, we believe. Oh, Grandma got run over by a reindeer, 
Walking home from our house Christmas Eve. You can say there's no such thing as Santa, but as for me and Grandpa, we believe. The Night Before Christmas, Pufu Edition, by Julia, with help from Clement Clarmork. Twas the night before Christmas when all through the house not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes the headmaster soon would be there. The masses were all sitting by their laptops, all tired from their long days at the shops, with Jen in her kerchief and Meg in her cap, Dan sitting in comfort on P.S.'s lap. June, Mike, and Roz, with their blankets and tea, were all sitting comfortably, chatting with Chi. Davia and Julia came in with Melinda, hoping the fun she would not hinder. Keza was also there chatting and waiting, while various websites Gen 2 was updating. When, to who are wondering I should appear, but Headmaster Huggles, the bringer of beer! In Ryan came with a drink in his hand, just what sort of chat did he have planned? Who knew he would bring all of the booze, rather than cause all the women to snooze? In came Danielle with even more drinks, surely we'd all get up to high jinks. Gen 2 and Keza just stared in surprise, while Richard and Dan got a look in their eyes. Melinda dispensed margaritas to all. What a great way to pregame for the ball. Everyone else thinks they're so smart, but we're showing up with quite a head start. All of a sudden, Richard conjured a chair. Down sat Meg, still fixing her hair. Rich sauntered over and gave her a wink. She took another sip of her drink. Out came the twister, and the next thing we knew, a tangle of limbs came into our view. P.S.'s left hand was suspiciously placed, right next to Ryan's, but not by his face. The game then instructed right hand to green, so in that direction did everyone lean. A little more that way and over we fell. It looks like at Twister we do not excel. Then time to pack up and head to the ball, amazing that we can still stand at all. Fun times were had this Christmas Eve night, but now to the ball to do this thing right. Doubtless the ball will be tons of fun, but no way can our pregame be outdone. Who knew Ryan would bring all the booze, but who was surprised that it was abused? Our small party over, the ball is beginning. Roz can't figure out why the room is still spinning. Wolf Rose and Chi are starting to dance. Maybe they're in for a night of romance. Ryan stood up to give the speech, and this conclusion is what he did reach. We all heard him exclaim as the fire burned bright, Happy Christmas to all, and to all, a good night. <laughs> Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child. Holy infant so tender and mild, sleep in heavenly peace, sleep in heavenly peace, silent night. Holy night, shepherds quake at the sight, glory streams from heaven afar.
Christ the Savior is born. Silent night, holy night, Son of God, love's pure light, Radiant beams from thy holy face, with the dawn of redeeming grace. Jesus, Lord, at thy birth, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. <laughs>
say about him. You know, I sat down to think about what to write when Jen sort of, a, well, she didn't really attack me. Well, she sort of attacked me. Don't let her lie to you. Um, thought about what to say. And, you know, what can you say, Huggles? You know, he's the man behind the madness that is Fufwa. I mean, what can really say about him? You know, sure, he wears funny pilgrim outfits. Yes, he can't pronounce Melinda's name to save his life. And just as a note, Ryan, there is no ER on Melinda. Just remember that. 
He's also he's also the guy that is so blatantly Hufflepuff that he just can't be helped. I mean, you can just tell that after five minutes of talking to him. And, you know, that said, I mean, he really has always been an excellent person to talk to and, a, a, frankly, a, a good man. Uh, you know, he and his uh, lovely minions and cohorts have created an exquisite environment for us to, you know, for the strange Potter addicts. You know, Puff is not just a sight, it's really just a way of life. And it's because of him that we have this wonderful place to come to with people that we can call genuine friends and, you know, that we can come here and speak intelligently to people and not to worry about retribution. It's because of him that we can come here, fight with one another one night, and be the best of friend ten minutes later. It's because of him that I will get free hurricanes from Julia at Terminus. Thank you, Julia. Rock on. It's because of this good man that my own podcast got off the ground smoothly, that the site was managed fairly well, and that everything ran about as smoothly as it could for an idiot like me to be running the place. So, you know, it's because of him that I have a site that I'm proud to call my Potter home, the only one I've ever had. You know, I went around a long time trying to find a place that I could feel comfortable with everybody, and, you know, it doesn't happen very often. You know, MuggleNet didn't do it for me, Leaky. Um, you know, there's so many that I've joined and left that I can't even remember. So, you know, I don't want to burn up this whole thing by just complaining about the other sites that have sucked and I'm not compared to Pufu at all. So, you know, it's, <laughs> it all boils down to it because of this really strange guy from Massachusetts that I have met lots of friends that I am sure I will have for life. So, long story short, I want to thank you very much, Headmaster Huggles, for creating Pufua. We all love you. Dear Ryan... It's hard for me to believe that 10 months ago, I didn't know anything about Pufwa. I feel like it's become such an important part of my life that it's just always been there, if you know what I mean. I can't even begin to say how listening to Pufwa has saved my sanity at work, especially when I'm stuck doing repetitive, mindless things, something that happens more often than not. Each new episode is eagerly anticipated, and it's on my iPod as soon as humanly possible. I remember that I found TFW from an advertisement on LiveJournal, and I downloaded the first episode pretty much on a whim since I'm always on the lookout for something new and entertaining to listen to when the job gets born. And right from the very first episode, I was hooked. The humor caught my attention, the intelligent discussion kept it, and I found myself wanting more. So I moseyed. I'm from Texas, you know, so I can say that. I moseyed over to the forum, registered, and and, as is my usual habit, lurked. I had absolutely no intention whatsoever to ever post. Ha. That lasted all of a day, I think, if that. Not long, in any case. I saw something that interested me, posted a response, and then I thought I might ought to introduce myself. And y'all were so friendly. It was amazing. PSW was teeny tiny then, just a wee thing, so it was hard to, so it was easy to get to know everyone, and I just knew I'd found a home. And so here we are, 10 months later. PSW is larger. There are more members, more listeners, more hours and hours and hours of podcasts under our belts, and somehow it still feels like home. Remember when I took my sorting test and you told me I didn't have to send it in because there's no option for me other than Hufflepuff? Or that certain list of words I sent you? Or the PMs back and forth about nothing and everything? I think we touched all of the taboo subjects, religion, politics, and who knows what else, and still came out friends. Or the email marathon when PFW decided it hated me for the day and wouldn't let me log on, and I was lost without my fix. These are just some of my memories from this place. And it all comes down to you, Ryan. You had this idea, you started the podcast, you started the forum, and you've kept it running. And I pretty much just stand back in awe and watch. So I just wanted to say thank you for providing this place for us, for challenging us to try things outside the box, and just for being such a great guy and a terrific friend. And that's enough for me, or everyone's going to drown in Hubble Plus sappiness. I just want to tell you Merry Christmas, and we all love you. 
and I'll talk to you later. Bye. Is that you, Santa Claus? But I'll be up Hang in my stocking I can hear a knocking Is that you, Santa Claus? Sure is dark out Now the slide and bark out All in my acting jaws Uh, who the hell is it? Uh, for a minute Is that you, Santa Claus? Slipping it under the door. Four winds are howling. Maybe that be growling. My legs feel like strong. Oh, mama, be my Hollywood reply. Is that you, Santa Claus? Oh, hanging my stocking. I can hear a knocking. Is that you, Santa Claus? Yeah, see now, who is it? Are you stopping for a visit? Is that you, Santa Claus? Whoa there, Santa, you gave me a scare. Now stop teasing, cause I know you're there. We don't believe in no goblins today But I can't explain why I'm shaking this way When I see old Santa in the keyhole I'll give to the call One peek and I'll try that Uh-oh, there's not there Is that you, Santa Claus? Please, please, I'm down on my knees. Say that's you. Santa Claus. Hello, this is Dan, and I will be performing Gretchen Forge's The Twelve Days of Wizard Christmas. On the first day of Christmas, Percy gave to me a lecture all about the ministry. On the second day of Christmas, Hermione gave to me two homework helpers and a lecture all about the ministry. On the third day of Christmas, Neville gave to me three vulture hats, two homework helpers and a lecture all about the ministry. On the fourth day of Christmas, Hagrid gave to me four flower worms, three vulture hats, two homework helpers, and a lecture all about the ministry. On the fifth day of Christmas, Harry gave to me five golden snitches, four flower worms, three vulture hats, two homework helpers, and a lecture all about the ministry. On the sixth day of Christmas, Lockhart gave to me six signed portraits, five golden snitches, 
four flubber worms, three vulture hats, two homework helpers, and a lecture all about the ministry. On the seventh day of Christmas, Mundungus gave to me seven stolen cauldrons, six signed portraits, five golden snitches, four flubber worms, three vulture hats, two homework helpers, and a lecture all about the ministry. On the eighth day of Christmas, one one gave to me eight outdated dress from seven stolen cotton, six signed portraits, five golden snitches, four flower worms, three vulture hats, two homework helpers, and a lecture all about the ministry. On the ninth day of Christmas, Lee Jordan gave to me nine nosebleed nougats, eight outdated dress from seven stolen cotton, six signed portraits, five golden snitches. Four flubber worms, three vulture hats, two homework helpers, and a lecture all about the ministry. On the tenth day of Christmas, Jenny gave to me ten bat bogey hexes, nine nosebleed nougats, eight outdated dress from seven stolen cartons, six signed porches, five golden snitches, four flubber worms, three vulture hats, two homework helpers, and a lecture all about the ministry. On the eleventh day of Christmas, Sirius gave to me eleven shrunken outfits, ten babuki hexes, nine nosebleed nougats, eight outdated dresser, seven stolen cartons, six signed portraits, five golden snitches, four flubber worms, three vulture hats, two homework helpers, and a lecture all about the ministry. On the twelfth day of Christmas, my dear mom gave to me Twelve more ugly sweaters, eleven shrunken outfits, ten big bogey hexes, nine nosebleed nougats, eight outdated dress robes, seven stolen cauldrons, six signed porters, five golden snitches, four flower worms, three vulture hats, two homework helpers, and a lecture all about the ministry. How can it be this baby in my arms sleeping no so peacefully the son of God the angel said how could it be Lord, I know he's not my own, not of my flesh, not of my bone. Still, Father, let this baby be the son of my love. Father, show me where I fit into this land of yours. How can a man be father to the Son of God? Lord, for all my life I've been a simple carpenter. How can I raise a king? How can I raise a king? He looks so small, his face and hands so fair. And when he smiles, the world just seems to disappear. But when he laughs, it shines again. 
How could it be? Father, show me where I fit into this plan of yours. How can a man be father to the Son of God? Lord, for all my life I've been a simple carpenter. How can I raise a king? How can I raise a king? How can it be? This baby in my arms, sleeping now, so peacefully, the Son of God, the angel said, how could it be? Ryan, thank you for putting up with endless discussions of scorpions, bears, exploding national parks, insults to every nation, gender, religion, creed, and sexual orientation. And that was just one episode. Thank you for spending time getting to know your staff and for all the times you had to edit episodes on the sly while visiting your fiancé. Thank you for being willing to fly to Texas. For every one of their 50 or so times, Jen has had a near-death experience. Thank you for taking the heat when an episode has to be delayed because of technical problems faced by one of your editors. And most of all, thank you for starting this podcast and forum in the first place. Dear Headmaster Huggles, I cannot find the words to thank you enough for everything you've done for us, which is weird because I was an English major and I make my living off of words. Damn you, English language, and your insufficient vocabulary to describe my love for Ryan. Anyway, without you and all of your efforts, PFW quite simply would not exist. And that would be really sad for me, because without it, I would never have met you and Jen and Chi and Dan and all the other awesome people I can now call my friends. Also, and I know that this is going to sound absolutely nuts, but the Puffla has kept me sane. Yeah, I know. Go ahead, take a moment and laugh at the irony there. But it's true. My life right now is at a point where I'm in one city and most of my friends live over an hour away. I don't talk with them often, and I almost never see them. Without Puffla, those long hours of isolation and feeling cut off from the world would have been just absolutely horrible. But when I'm feeling my worst, you'll Skype me and tell me about an epic battle with the plastic wrapping on the Order of the Phoenix DVD, or Dan will tell me that we got a new band for the radio, or she will inform me that Harry and Ginny have to sit in separate corners until they're ready to stop talking like bad romance novel characters, or Jen will be asking me to sing a Christmas song or something equally ridiculous. Without PFW, and thus without you, I would not have made it through the past three months. I owe you more than I can possibly express here and more than I can ever repay. But I just want you to know that you are a true Hufflepuff, that I love you, and that I thank you for everything. Dear Julia. Hi, this is Ryan's mother calling. Um, I just wanted to ask Jen, did all these things really happen and your poor father had a heart attack and everything else? And I also wanted to say if you're ever in the Boston area, you're welcome to come and visit us. Bye-bye. Have a nice holiday. Hello, everyone. This is Peter Griffin. You know, I have a special message for you about Christmas. As we all know, Christmas is that mystical time of year when the ghost of Jesus rises from the grave to feast on the flesh of the living. So we all sing him Christmas carols to lull him back to sleep. On that note, I have a song for you. 
goes like this. Look, get the bells, look, get the bells, look, get the bells, look, get the bells. Holy crap, here comes Jesus, and he doesn't look too happy. I also have another favorite. goes like this. I brought these gifts for you, they're up in my bum. Merry Christmas, everyone. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire Jack Frost nipping at your nose Yuletide carols being sung by the choir and folks dressed up like Eskimos Everybody knows A turkey and some mistletoe It helps to make the season bright Tiny tots with their eyes all aglow We'll find it hard to sleep tonight They know that Santa is on his way He's loading lots of toys and goodies on his sleigh And every mother's child is gonna spy to see if reindeer really know how to fly And so I'm offering this simple phrase To kids from one to ninety-two Although it's been said many times, many ways Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas to If you're a member on our forums, then you've no doubt heard of our UO wall. For those of you who aren't members, what are you waiting for? <laughs> anyway, I am pleased to announce the winner of our UO ball one-shot competition, Gen 2, perhaps better known in the fanfiction world as going back to Square One, author of the post-Deathly Hollows fic Continuum. Sit back and enjoy her winning entry, a marvelous piece of Harry Jenny fluff, entitled The Bet. The Bet. By going back to Square One. Isn't that exciting, Harry? asked Hermione, who sighed as she moved in from behind him and pointed to the middle of the Gryffindor common room announcement board. Things are going to be altogether different than two years ago. I just know it, she said with bright eyes, clutching her books to her chest. Leaning in further and speaking softly, Harry could barely make out her voice as she murmured into his ear, He's asked me, you know. Harry smiled owlishly at his friend from behind his glasses. She was behaving much more like a lavender or parvati than he'd ever seen her. 
reminding him his best friend was, indeed, a real girl. That's great, Hermione. I'm glad you didn't wait this time. At least one of us learned our lesson from fourth year. Deadpan Harry, giving Hermione a lopsided grin. Who will you take? asked Hermione, scratching the side of her head thoughtfully with her free hand. Ginny's obviously going with Dean, so she's not an option, she rattled, ignoring the pained look on Harry's face as she mentioned the understandable pairing of Ginny and Dean. Neville's asked Luna, so she's not an option either. I suppose you could ask Lavender, but she's been hinting at Seamus all morning, so I reckon your chances of getting her are slim. You could always ask Parvati if you'd like to take a Gryffindor, but... Considering the hideous way you and Ron treated the twins in your fourth year, I highly doubt she'd be she consider accompanying you this time. Wow, Harry, I really didn't think it would be that difficult for you," said Hermione as she finally drew breath and noticed Harry's slightly aggrieved expression. As last result, I suppose it's always Romilda," she teased. You know, I could go stag or not go at all," said Harry, who wrinkled his nose and rolled his eyes in annoyance as he shuffled his feet uncomfortably. "It's just a stupid ball." Harry Potter, are you trying to get out of going to the Yule Ball? Harry looked at his trainers and closely inspected a spot near his left toe. "Just drop it, okay? I don't like to dance. You've known that for years." He said as he looked into Hermione's stunned face, "I reckoned maybe I could lend my dress robes to Ron. You could help him with an alteration charm to lengthen them a bit, so he wouldn't have to wear his Auntie Muriel's old dressing gown." You using Ron's dress robes as an excuse for skiving off the Yule Ball? Asked Hermione incredulously. "You've got to be kidding me! He could go in his Auntie Muriel's old knickers, and I'd still be letting going with him. What's your real reason, Harry?" All the good girls are taken," moaned Harry, giving in to his perceptive best friend, knowing she never let the issue just drop. Just as he finished his sentence, Ginny and Dean breezed by the notice board, laughing their way towards a portrait hole, painfully reminding him of his previous statement. Hermione narrowed her eyes and dragged Harry by the arm to the common room sofa, sitting him down with the determination of a woman on a mission. You know. I reckon I just noticed something that I should have seen a long time ago, Harry Potter," she taunted. "It's been swirling and floating around for weeks, maybe even months, but I didn't put my finger on it until just now. You just watched Ginny from the moment she stepped off the dormitory stairs until the moment she disappeared out of her portrait hall. You weren't even listening to me. Once she was gone, you actually looked crestfallen," exclaimed Hermione. Harry blanched and reached out towards Hermione, shushing her as he looked fretfully around the common room for witnesses. "Oh my!" gasped ha- Hermione, her eyes wide as saucers as she brought a hand to her mouth. "That's it. I really was just taking a guess, but I was dead on, wasn't I? It's Ginny. You finally noticed Ginny Weasley," she grinned in amusement. Oh Merlin! Oh dear, sweet Merlin! My Cersei, Holy Athena, galloping hippogriffs! Does Ron know? Harry made a dreadful noise, like someone choking on his own tongue. No, he answered forcefully. He's not going to either. You're not going to be the word of this, Hermione. Do you hear me? Not one word. 
She's my best maid sister. This isn't supposed to be happening. She's with Dean. I've got a prophecy hanging over my head. Damn it, Hermione, this is not funny, he hissed, pointing his finger and waving his hands about in noticeable distress, finally settling with both arms crossed petulantly about his chest, as if shielding him from Hermione's onslaught. Harry's apparent dismay did nothing to assuage Harry's delight. She continued to laugh with mirth behind the safety of her hand as the light of her brown eyes danced with each breath she took in muffled restraint. But it is, Harry! It's wonderful! Ron must hear this! There's no one he'd rather be with Ginny than you! You're the only one who's ever going to be good enough for her in his eyes! This thing with Dean? It's just a temporary distraction, Harry! Temporary distraction, my ass. Grumbled Ari as he pulled a wayward string on the cuff of his jumper. You're not the one who happened upon them as they ducked out from behind a tapestry on the sixth floor last week. If that's a distraction, I'd like to see what Ginny looks like when she's serious about someone. He growled, thinking of how he wanted to curse Dean's bits right there in the corridor after seeing the look of sheer glee plastered across his face. Well, if you want to know that, Harry, started Hermione gently. All you need to do is watch her when she looks at you. Harry watched Jenny and Dean all through lunch in the Great Hall later that day, trying not to appear overly interested in Jenny's obvious bad mood and Dean's noticeable frustration. Thinking himself a prat for wishing his doormate ill will, Harry was washing down the remainder of his sandwich with the last of his pumpkin juice when he noticed Jenny leaving the Great Hall for her afternoon classes. Mesmerized, he watched the bounce of her step as it corresponded with the sway of her hair falling down her back in its loose ribbon. How the light from the charmed sky above them danced and reflected off the golden highlights in her auburn hair. Harry! Startled, Harry turned from watching Jenny exit the hall to see Dean Thomas standing there beside him with a sorrowful look on his face. What's up, Dean? he asked, hoping Dean hadn't caught him ogling his girlfriend. I'm sure you've noticed. Ginny's upset. Uh, yeah, mate, answered Harry, grateful for Dean's timely excuse. She's a hard one not to notice when she's angry. What's got her going now, he improvised. Mum sent me an owl this morning. She wants me home for Christmas holiday. I told Ginny was because of a family illness, but it's really because Mum scolded me some tickets to see West Ham. Really? asked Harry, suddenly interested. But Ginny's really upset about the ball, you see. Until Mum's out, I promised her we'd be going. She really wants to go, said Dean thoughtfully. But here's my problem. Then there are entirely too many blokes around who appreciate Ginny's assets, if you understand what I mean. And I was hoping you'd take it to the Yule Ball for me, grinned Dean conspiratorially as he cuffed Harry on the arm. Take Ginny to the ball? parroted Harry, staring blankly at the boy beside, standing beside him. For you? Uh, well... Yeah, answered Dean uncomfortably. You're like her brother, mate. There's no one else who I trust more than Ron to take her to the ball. And she's surely not going to allow Ron to escort her, laughed Dean. I mean, those dress robes. Right, deadpanned Harry. Her brother. I'm like her brother. You trust me. He couldn't believe Dean Thomas was actually insinuating he was Jenny's brother, and he was trustworthy above all other boys at Hogwarts. Jenny would probably be safer with a Slytherin at this point. 
He was sure Malfoy wasn't ha- having embarrassing fantasies every time she walked by, or praising the gods for books and robes because of the constant rise of things whenever she was around. I'm sure she'll go with you. It's a perfect answer to the problem, mate, speculated Dean happily. You get to go to the ball with a beautiful girl, although she is like your sister, and I'll get to see the game of a lifetime, and Ginny can say she once went out with Harry Potter. We all win. Harry could not believe Dean's audacity. Sure, mate, I'll take her. Will you be telling her, or do you want me to? Asked Harry innocently. West Ham, the stupid bloke. As this was how much Dean respected Jenny Weasley, then Harry didn't feel at all bad about possibly moving in on his territory. Now all he had to do was convince himself that dating his best mate's sister was a good thing. Merlin, help him. Dear Gretchen Forge, it looks as if I may be taking your sister to the Yule Ball. Her stupid prat of a boyfriend has decided he'd rather see West Ham play than escort her to the Yule Ball. He's asked me to take her in his absence. Stupid git. Hermione mentioned Jenny was worried about her dress robes. She also said Jenny was going to write you about some rubbish about testing products to earn money so that she could buy better robes. Your silent partner wishes for you to extend to your sister whatever credit she wishes. I will take care of whatever she needs. Please just owl me and let me know. Sincerely, Harry. Dear Harrykins, do we sense a little bit of animosity towards Mr. Thomas? We have always thought of him as a stupid bloke, especially when compared to you, whom we consider the ultimate of stupid blokes. You must have had it bad if you weren't to buy her clothes. Thomas would let her go purple and belt slugs before he'd spend money on dress robes. We've got ten galleons on how long it takes you to kiss her. Forever, your partner's in crime. P.S. We're assuming you've not told Ron because you have some hang-up about dating our Jennikins. We're giving you a week before we let the world know. Dear twins, there's nothing to tell. Dean's asked me to take her. I told him I would. Ginny and I are good friends. I have more money than I know what to do with. End of story. If you go telling stories, I'll have to spill the news about your silent investor. I don't think your mom will like that much. Oh, and I won't be kissing her. The reason I'm taking her to the stupid ball is because I'm like her stupid brother, after all. Still respectfully yours, after all things considered, Harry. Dear Mr. Investor, we kindly advise you that our bet is still on the table. We think your previous owl is a load of rubbish. We use it to test one of our latest products. Based on the orders we've been forwarding around for our sister, we are not sure whether she's dressing for a ball or a wedding. The last owl we received to forward along was an order for lingerie. We kindly ask you, if there's nothing to tell, why would our sister buy knickers? If she'd have gone to the ball with Dean, she'd be wearing the same travesty mom bought her at the second-hand shop. Loving the torture. The entrepreneurs. Can we just keep these letters on topic? Like how much I owe you, for example? Yours. Harry. Harry seared the letter inside. He was sure the twins were taking the, the mickey out of him. Why would Ginny buy knickers for the Yule Ball? The whole idea was ridiculous. He resolved to find Hermione and ask her just what Ginny was up to with the new dress robes. He was sure she'd have a logical explanation. Harry glanced around the common room for his friends and found them absent. So he decided to make a quick trip to the Ellery to dispatch Hedwig with his latest note to the twins. Returning his books to his room and grabbing a jacket and some outreads, he headed off to post his letter. 
He shielded himself from the wind and shivered as he entered the messy chamber of the Owlery, and immediately realized he was not alone. Ginny! he exclaimed. Hi, Harry, said Hermione with an unusual blush. I was just up here to send a note to the twins when I realized Pig was gone. I really hate to use the school owls, but if I must... You can use Hedwig, offered Harry. I was just about to send her out with a letter of my own. Really? smiled Ginny. That's wonderful. It's not that I don't trust the school owls. It's just that this is really important, and I'd hate for the letter to be lost. It's time-sensitive, you see, she said, coloring again. Actually, I was just about to send a note to the twins as well, stammered Harry, whose glasses began to cloud from the warmth rising in his cheeks. Uh, dung bombs, for Ron's Christmas present. Ginny giggled. Your glasses are fucking, Harry. Uh, said Harry, who wished he could think of something intelligent to say. His cheeks were on fire, and he was sure the temperature had warmed by fifty degrees. Considering he just vehemently denied having romantic feelings for Ginny to her twin brothers via outpost, his body said otherwise. Why don't you let me do something about that? asked Ginny. What? squeaked Harry. Your glasses. I can charm your glasses so they won't fog. Mom always does dads in the winter time. Oh, breathed Harry with noticeable relief. Ginny cocked an eyebrow and gave him a sideways glance. My glasses, sure, okay. Are you all right? asked Ginny as she waved her wand over her glasses, immediately clearing them so Harry could see the concern in her brown eyes. You've been awfully quiet lately. You haven't changed your mind, have you? she asked quietly. I'm sure someone else will go with me if you'd like to take another girl to the ball, said Ginny as she looked down at her boots. No! exclaimed Harry, resisting the urge to reach out and touch her hair. There's no one I'd rather take to the ball, actually, he said, smiling. Ginny looked up, surprised. Are you serious? Why wouldn't I be, countered Harry tenuously. Why wouldn't I want to take the prettiest girl at school to the ball? Ginny flushed an intense shade of crimson and took a deep breath. You know, Dean thought I should go with you because you're practically one of my brothers. Harry caught in all the courage that supposedly made him a worthy resident of the house of Godric Gryffindor. Now, why would he think that? Harry trudged up the last flight of stairs to the seventh floor corridor after spending two pointless hours researching a meaningless DADA essay in the library when he heard a fantastic row echoing from the stairwell. Just as he was about to round the corner, he realized Ron and Ginny were the source of the noise. Curious about what had them going, Harry hung back to listen to the brawl. You are not my father, Ronald, spat Ginny. You do not tell me what I can and cannot do. I don't care who I am. You're not going anywhere dressed in those robes, thundered Ron. Ron, interjected Hermione meekly. I think you're overreacting a bit. You stay out of this, Hermione, snapped Ron. This is between me and my sister. Don't you speak to Hermione that way, you great stupid prat, screamed Jenny. Mom and Dad know exactly what robes I bought, and they approve. You have no say in this matter. You can take a great fat thick head and shove it up your oafish bony arse. You are not my keeper. Harry heard Hermione chuckle and Ron growl, and the pattering of small steps running as the portrait hole banged shut, causing the fat lady to cluck with displeasure. Squaring his shoulders from the shock of what he just overheard, Harry stepped around the corner and into the fray. Hi, Harry said Hermione, rolling her eyes towards Ron, who was still an amazing shade of purple. Did I just miss something? 
asked Harry, directing his question at Ron, who growled and huffed and stalked off towards the common room without answering. Well, by the looks of that, I'd say I did, he said, raising his eyebrows questioningly to Hermione. Ginny and Ron, offered Hermione, were in the room of requirement earlier. I took Ron to, there to alter his dress robes, she began thoughtfully as she conjured a bench for them to sit. He's grown, you know. Harry nodded. I shall probably try mine, too, before it gets too late to have something delivered. Hermione smiled and continued. Ginny's robes arrived yesterday via outpost. She asked me if I'd like to make some minor alterations because she didn't want to do it herself. She needed to make the changes while she was wearing the robes and didn't want to ruin them, so she asked me. I told her we'd be in the room of requirement during Ron's, so she joined us. Ron flipped out. What do you mean, Ron flipped out? asked Harry. Her robes, Harry. She's not thirteen anymore. She's not that little girl who went to the Yule Ball with Neville two years ago. Of course she's not. But Ron sees Ginny every day. Surely he knows that. He doesn't see her like this, Harry, answered Hermione with a knowing smile. What do you mean? asked Harry for the second time. I reckon, blinked Hermione innocently, I'm going to let you see that for yourself. Come on, Hermione, said Harry with exasperation. Surely you know I've been the one behind all this. I told the twins I'd take care of everything. You could at least give me a little hint. You didn't tell me, scolded Hermione. She narrowed her eyes. What have they told you? Just a bunch of rubbish, really, admitted Harry. They told me she was dressing for a wedding. Then they owled me some nonsense about knickers. Hermione laughed out loud and then noticed Harry was staring off into space with an odd look upon his face. I wouldn't necessarily call them knickers, Harry. Let's say certain types of robe require certain types of support. Leave it to the twins to out you and tell you Ginny was buying knickers for the ball. How very classic of them, she giggled. Harry breathed a sigh of relief. Exactly why is she going to all this trouble, Hermione? Wouldn't she have just worn the same robe she already has if she'd gone with Dean? Hermione pondered the question. Probably. I don't get it. You're a great daft thing. How many times do I have to tell you? Asked Hermione with a look of annoyance. Exactly how many times do you reckon I've heard a replay of your conversation in the Owlery? The Owlery? Oh, Harry, you're so very clueless. It's going to be such a pleasure to watch you as you're smacked in the head with this come the night of the ball, said Hermione with a big breathy sigh. Standing up, she offered her hand to Harry and led him back to the common room, where they promptly resumed revision for the next day's herbology exam. Harry, can I have a word? asked he in the evening before he was scheduled to return home on the Hogwarts Express for Christmas holiday. Sure, Dean, answered Harry, curious why his housemate was concerned. Uh, have you noticed Ginny lately? asked Dean awkwardly, with his eyebrows crunched together in a pained grimace. I'm not sure I understand what you mean, mate said Harry. She's been acting odd, distant. No, Harry said with a tone of surprise. Really? Yeah, I'm wondering if I should really go home for the game now. Maybe leaving her with you for the ball wasn't such a great idea. Oh, Harry fought to keep the disappointment from showing on his face. Seamus even said he'd heard from Lavender that Pavati said that she thought that Ginny bought new dress rooms, whined Dean. Supposedly there was some big row in the corridor between her and Ron. I heard that, admitted Harry, but I really don't know one way or the other, he lied. Well, make sure she has a good time. You can do that, can't you? 
Sure, Dean, said Harry with a small smile. I said I would. Dean smiled as he patted Harry on the back. I knew I could count on you. Harry looked in the mirror as he retied the knot in his bow tie for the third time. Giving it up as a bad job, he swore and turned to see an equal look of horror on Ron's face. You're, ra you're looking rather fit tonight, mate, he teased. Shut it, growled Ron, who was desperately trying to make his life flat. Gaping in mock disgust, Harry rolled his eyes. I was being serious, you git. Those robes are much better than the frilly ones you wore a few years ago. Ron laughed nervously as he tug tugged his shirt sleeves from under the cuffs of his robes. A remarkable improvement, wouldn't you say? He asked with a grin as he bowed with a flourish. I'd say, agreed Harry with a hearty laugh. No one's going to, to accuse you of wearing Muriel's knickers this time. I reckon they're not, agreed Ron. Say, Harry, I know you just heard that row in the corridor between me and Ginny. I was being a bit, well, overprotective. But she is my sister, you know. Harry raised his eyebrows. Well, yeah, Ron, I've known that for six years. What's different about tonight? He asked uncomfortably, tugging on his collar, which suddenly felt very restrictive. Ron sighed and sat down in his four-poster, motioning Harry should do the same. I know I'm thick. Most time it takes me aeons to get things. But even I don't need Hermione to point this one out to me. Harry blanched. Well, you see, mate, stammered Ron. You've been staring at Ginny's arse for the better part of the term. I have not. Harry, please, argued Ron with a dramatic roll of his eyes. Just let me get through this, all right? He asked. So I saw those robes. I freaked out a little. I've not seen my sister quite like that, you know, busty and leggy and stuff. Busty and leggy? Choked Harry. Uh, well, yeah, laughed Ron. I reckon you're really in for a night. Hermione and I have a bet on whether you'll just plain pass off in the shock of it. That's not funny, Ron. What I'm trying to say is that it's okay with me, offered Ron. I'd much rather it was you than Dean. Harry blushed to the roots of his hair. Thanks, mate. I was having a bit of a problem with how to talk to you about it, he admitted quietly. About Hermione. She's been waiting a long time for this, too, said Harry, looking pointedly at his best friend. I know, said Ron, turning to walk down the dormitory stairs. Now let's go to the girls. I hear they're really excited to go to the ball, you know? Let's go, grinned Harry. The pair took the stairs to the common room two at a time, where they stood and waited anxiously as, the, as girl after girl descended the dormitory stairs to greet her date or to head off to the great hall. When Harry was sure the girl's dorm had to be empty ex except for tittering first, second, and third years, he saw Hermione peek down the stairs nervously. Giving her a thumbs up, he smiled warmly to calm her nerves and beckoned her down the stairs. Harry watched his best friend in awe as she glided down the stairs, beaming at Ron. She was even more beautiful than he could have imagined her to be in sleeveless burgundy dress robes with a gold sash. She had her hair twisted up in a complicated style Harry had never seen before, and her eyes were smoky and alluring. She was wearing a sheer sort of wrap Harry was sure couldn't keep her warm, but as he glanced back over his shoulder at Ron, he decided warmth Probably wouldn't matter, as Ron wasn't likely to let Hermione get far from him for the rest of the evening. Ron was speechless, and began stammering at her as Hermione left. If you think this is good, just wait until you see Ginny, she teased. Nothing could possibly be more amazing than this, breathed Ron as Hermione blushed prettily. Thank you, Ron, 
You're looking quite well yourself, she said in response as Ron returned her blush in kind. Harry grinned at his friends and turned back towards the stair when he felt his breath rush from his lungs and his head began feeling woozy and faint as Jenny started down them. She was descending slowly, her eyes locked on his, wearing the most amazing dress he'd ever seen. It was blue, a very deep midnightish sort of blue that set off the reds of her hair, and it had this odd neckline that hung. Hermione later called it a cow, and showed her chest in a way Harry reckoned was illegal. It had straps and no sleeves, showcasing her creamy, soft skin, and a long, straight skirt had it slit, exposing her right leg very far up her thigh. She also wore strappy heels that were practically non-existent, and Harry noticed she painted her toes a bright color of red. Gasping for air, he focused on her face and noticed her makeup was done much like Hermione's, dark and smoky, and her hair was braided and twisted into a more complicated style than even Hermione had attempted. He wasn't sure this was the same girl who played on his Quidditch team and lived at the burrow. This was a goddess. A dream. A busty, leggy, dewy-faced, creamy-skinned, bloody dream. Jenny smirked as she stepped lightly off the last stair. Flies, Harry. You should close your mouth. You're drawing flies. She laughed lightly. Harry snapped his mouth shut and gulped. You like? said Jenny, twirling for him, a gleam in her eye. B-b-b-beautiful, stuttered Harry, who still couldn't tear his eyes away from hers. Jenny grinned evilly. I shouldn't bring this up, but I reckon this is better than an old match with West Ham, isn't it? Harry's eyes grew round as saucers as his mouth fell open again. You knew? he asked in disbelief. Of course I knew, said Jenny gleefully. I sent Gene an owl today. Let's just say he's probably feeling very single about right now. An owl? muttered Harry as he raised his eyebrows, realizing what she meant, hearing Ron and Hermione laugh at him over his shoulder. Harry, your tie is dreadful. Would you like me to tie it for you? Asked Ginny, looking him deep in the eye and stepping in close to pull the knot slowly undone. And then before he knew it, his hands were on her arms and then around her waist, and he was pulling her into him, and he was kissing her. And she tasted of strawberries and sunshine and wind and broomsticks and laughter and happiness. All the things he knew she was and everything he knew he wanted. Feeling her, feeling her grin into his mouth, they both began to laugh when they heard Ron groan. Oi! I know I gave my blessing, but give it a rest! He exclaimed. I can always change my mind. Ginny pulled away and smiled up into Harry's eyes, using her finger to wipe the lipstick from his lips. Turning round to Ron and Hermione, she laughed and winked at her brother. Make sure you're around when the twins send you that owl. I'm going to claim my twenty galleons. I bet them both I could make it happen before the ball. Harry laughed out loud. Taking Ginny by the arms, he reckoned that this was one bet he was happy to help her win. The End The Night Before Christmas, Pufo Edition By Julia, with help from Clement Clarmore. Moore T'was the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes the headmaster soon would be there. The masses were all sitting by their laptops, all tired from their long days at the shops. While Jen, with Jen in her kerchief and Meg in her cap, Dan sitting in comfort on P.S.'s lap. 
June, Mike, and Roz, with their blankets and tea, were all sitting comfortably, chatting with Chi. Dobby and Julia came in with Melinda, hoping the fun she would not hinder. Keza was also there, chatting and waiting, while various websites Gen 2 was updating. When, to who are wondering I should appear, but head hat... I can't... It's Huggles that screws me up. Okay, let's see here. Keza was also... Keza was also there chatting and waiting while various websites Gen 2 was updating. When to our wondering eyes should who appear, and who's not even in the word, so I'm going to do that again. Keza was, Keza was also there chatting and waiting while various websites Gen 2 was updating. When to who our wondering eyes should appear, but Headmaster Huggles, the bringer of beer! Yay! You better edit that out! <laughs> How the Cheese Stole Pufwa, a parody of How the Grinch Stole Christmas by Dr. Seuss. Written by Dan, Julia, and Cody. Voices by Dan, Kismet, and Mike. Everyone down in Pufwa likes the podcast a lot, but the Chi, who hosted Potterfeet Weekly, did not. The Chi hated Pufwa and the whole Christmas season. Please don't ask why, no one quite knows the reason. It could have been the argument she just had with Ryan. It could have been she thought she was the only one trying, but I think that the most likely reason of all might have been that her heart was two sizes too small. But whatever the reason, her heart or the night, she sat there on Christmas Eve, hating the sight, staring at her computer with a thin, snarky glare at all the Pufoy users dwelling in their common rooms there, for she knew every Pufoyanian was holding fast to the fact that tonight they'd hear the Christmas podcast. They're awaiting it now, she snarled with a sneer. Tonight's Christmas Eve. It's practically here. Then she growled with her fingers on the keyboard mindlessly drumming. I must find a way to stop this podcast from coming. For tonight, she knew, all the Pufuanian girls and the boys would pounce on the podcast like on a bunch of new toys. And then, oh the joy, oh the joy, 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 joy. That's the one thing she didn't want, the joy, 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 joy. And then all the Pufwanians listening to the podcast would post. And they'd post. And they'd post. And they'd post, 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 post. They'd go on the forum and help the podcast the most. In her current condition, it would kill Chi, almost. And then they'd do something she liked least of all. Everyone down in Pufwa, the tall and the small, would spend Christmas Eve together, Christmas bells ring. They'd listen to the podcast, and with it, start singing. And they'd sing. And they'd sing. And they'd sing, 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 sing. And the more that she thought of this whole podcast sing, the more that she thought. I must stop this whole thing. Last year I barely withstood it somehow. I must stop this year's from coming. But how? Then she got an idea. An awful idea. That she got a wonderful, awful idea. I know just what I'll do. That she laughed in her throat. And she made a quick pilgrim hat and a coat. And she chuckled and shortled a big black belt iron. With this coat and this hat, I'll look just like old Ryan. You're mean one, Lady She. You wear those grumpy pants. You don't care what people say. You just go off on your pants, Lady She. You're a stick of dynamite, just. Waiting to blow. 
Someone has bad grammar. You roast them alive whole. Lady Chi. I wouldn't touch you with a thirty-nine and a half foot pole. All I need is a phoenix. The Chi looked around, but since this is real life, there was none to be found. Did that stop Sneaky Chi? No. The Chi simply said, "If phoenixes don't exist." I'll make one instead. So atop Ravenclaw Tower, she stole away bad, and she gathered up feathers to the lemur to add. Then she loaded some bags and some old empty sacks, and brushed up on her jokes to make some wisecracks. Then the chief started down, down the tower's long stairs, towards the common rooms where users sat unawares. All the fires were lit. Friendly voices filled the air. All Poofwinians were without a care. When she came to the first little door in the hall. Ponecast is stop number one. The chi did recall, and she slunk in the room with empty bags. None could see. She muttered greetings to the podcasters, faking Hufflepuff glee. It hurt her even to fake, but if Ryan could do it, then so could the chi. She sweated and strained as she spoke in deep voice, but she fooled the ponecasters and inwardly rejoiced. Then she eyed Julia's menorah, candles all in a row. The menorah, she grinned, is the first thing to go. Then she slithered and slunk, not making a scene. The ponecasters didn't notice as the room she did clean. Laptops and microphones, iPods, CDs from Oliver, Lena, Remus, and Peeved. And she stuffed them in bags. Then the chi, very sly, tiptoed back out the door and waved the three a goodbye. You're a vile one, lady chi. You have minions under your heel. You have all the tender sweetness of a motion sick hippogriff, Lady Chi. Given the choice between the two of you, I'd take the motion sick hippogriff. Nauseate me, Lady She. When you talk about Redcliffe, you really want to meet him. You'd violate him only if, Lady She. You're a three decker sauerkraut and two stool sandwich with arsenic sauce. Then she ran to old Hufflepuff, eyeing the cats that lived in the kitchens and ate all the gnats. Careful not to be clawed, the chi bent way down low, and whipped out some catnip she had stored for the show. As the cats gathered round, she snared each fast and hard. And now, grinned the chi, I will capture Bernard. And the chi grabbed the goat, and then she went down to a very different part of the PFW town, into the dungeons, the rocks, and the dark, a place well accustomed to satire and snark. But as she tiptoed into the Slytherin's lair, she heard a loud squawk. It was quite a bad scare. She had heard stories, but she hadn't foreseen two loud, angry penguins, all decked out in green. But that old she, she knew she had no time to lag. So quick as a blink, she stuffed both in her bag. She then set her eyes on the prize of the room—a glorious robe with an emerald green plume. 
but as she stepped closer, a voice rang out clear. I heard our pets crying. What are you doing here? She turned straight around, and to her surprise, there stood a drowsy Mike, confusion filling his eyes. Ryan, why are our penguins stuck way down there? And why on earth do you have so much hair? She had to think quick. Now what should she say? She couldn't afford to be caught, not today. Oh, Mike, please don't worry, she said with a smile. I'm just giving them some fresh air for a while. Oh, he said with a slight yawn. Well, Ryan, I'll see you on Christmas dawn. As soon as the Slytherin was out of her sight, she grabbed the robe and her bag and ran into the night. She ran back to the website to finish her blot. Have a Merry Christmas. I know you will not. You're right. Lady Sheen, you're the queen of Ravenclaw. You wield the snarky attitude your housemates are in awe. Lady Sheen, your biggest pet peeve is when someone uses words to make themselves look intelligent, like vociferous or luminous or microscopic silicone or kinoconiosis, and when they put them in fix. she stole, with her brilliant mind on the next phase of her goal. She crept through the portrait hole, quiet as can be. She spotted the prize and danced in jubilee. There on the armchairs sat two spider monkeys, each of them looking incredibly funky. Gred and Forge, said the chi, get into this bag. Don't make me wrap you in this Gryffindor flag. The monkeys escaped, and she swore to herself. Damn it, those things are worse than house elves. The chi was not pleased. No, she wasn't at all. So she stole everything in that room, big and small. The squashy armchairs, the red and gold banners, were shoved into chi's bags in a very hasty manner. She took all their homework and assorted junk. She even stole Nate's infamous griffin funk. That ought to do it, she said with a smile, then left to go pick on someone else for a while. At quarter to dusk, she arrived back at the tower to finish her burglary and then take a quick shower. Needing a phoenix no more, she stuffed bad into her sack. The weight sunk her just once, until she threw the bag onto her back. She took all the games and the claws memes just to boot. She snared Kez's koala with a piece of dried fruit. The sun it was setting as the users settled down to eagerly await the Christmas podcast's splashdown. But just as they clicked on that old profile link, something bad happened that made them all think that there must have been a mistake of some kind. Their access to the podcast was declined. The users leaned forward, their behinds firmly seated, as they incredulously read, CPU quota exceeded. Poor PFW. She was grinchously humming. They're finding out now that no podcast is coming. They're going there now. I know just what they'll do. Their mouths will hang open a minute or two. 
then the Pufwa users will all Skype boo-hoo. That's a message, grinned the Pachi, that I simply must read. So she booted up her computer to finish the deed. But lo, as her status displayed her online, she beheld a sight that stopped her recline. Pufwanians weren't sad. In fact, they were merry. It couldn't be so. But it was merry. Very. She stared at the screen, and the cheese ego grew small. As she read people's statuses, Merry Christmas to all, the dwellers of Pufwa messaged each other, with wishes of love they held for one another. She hadn't stopped Christmas from coming. It came. Somehow or other, it came just the same. And Chi, her eyes hurting from the Skype window's glow, stood puzzling and puzzling. How could it be so? It came without lemurs. It came without cats. It came without websites. It just came in chats. And she puzzled a while, till her puzzler was sore. Then that she thought of something she hadn't before. Maybe Christmas, she thought, doesn't come from decor. Maybe Christmas, perhaps, means a little bit more. And what happened then? Well, Skype's screen did pop up, and Ryan himself came in to mop up. A concealed ninja hug did Huggles deliver. Lost in emotions, all she did was shiver. And what happens next? Well, in Pufa, they say, that the Chi's small, small heart grew three sizes that day. And the minute her heart didn't feel quite so tight, she ran with her sack toward that common room light, and she brought back the sight, she restored the podcast, and she, she herself, began that Christmas broadcast. <laughs>
Through the snow, and I want horse up and sleigh or the fields we go, laughing all the way. Ha 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 ha. Dashing through the bush in a rusty holder newt, kicking up the dust, a ski in the boot, Kelpie by my side, singing Christmas songs. It's summertime, and I am in my singlet, shorts, and thongs. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Christmas in Australia on a scorching summer's day. Jingle bells, jingle bells, Christmas time is butte. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a rusty holder newt. Engine's getting hot. Dodge the kangaroos. Swaggy climbs aboard. Here's welcome to all the families there sitting by the pool. Christmas Day, the Aussie way by the barbecue. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Christmas in Australia on a scorching summer's day. Jingle bells, jingle bells, Christmas time is butte. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a rusty holder newt. 
Come the afternoon, Grandpa has a doze. The kids and Uncle Bruce are swimming in their clothes. The time comes round to go. We take a family snap. Then pack the car and all shoot through before the washing up. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Christmas in Australia on a scorching summer's day. Jingle bells, jingle bells, Christmas time is butte. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a rusty Holden ute. Early on one Christmas day, a joey kangaroo was far from home and lost in a great big zoo. Mummy, where's my mummy? They've taken her away. We'll help you find your mummy's son. Hop up on the sleigh. Up beside the bag of toys, little Joey hopped. But they hadn't gone far when Santa stopped. Unharnessed all the reindeer and Joey wondered why. Then he heard a far off booming in the sky. Six white boomers, snow white boomers, racing Santa Claus through the blazing sun. Six white boomers, snow white boomers, on his Australian run. Pretty soon old Santa began to feel the heat, took his fur-lined boots off to cool his feet. Into one pop Joey, feeling quite okay, while those old man kangaroos kept pulling on the sleigh. Six white boomers, snow white boomers, racing Santa Claus through the blazing sun. Six white boomers, snow white boomers, on his Australian run. Joey said to Santa, Santa, what about the toys? Aren't you giving some to these girls and boys? They've got all their presents, son. We were here last night. This trip is an extra trip. Joey's special flight. Six white boomers, snow white boomers, racing Santa Claus through the blazing sun. Six white boomers, snow white boomers, on his Australian run. Soon the sleigh was flashing past right over Marble Bar. Slow down there, cried Santa. It can't be far. Come up on my lap, son, and have a look around. There she is. That's Mummy, bounding up and down. Six white boomers, snow white boomers, racing Santa Claus through the blazing sun. Six white boomers, snow white boomers, on his Australian run. Well, that's the bestest Christmas treat that Joey ever had. Curled up in Mother's pouch, all snug and glad. Last they saw was Santa headed northward from the sun. The only year the boomers worked a double run. Six white boomers, snow white boomers, racing Santa Claus through the blazing sun. Six white boomers, snow white boomers, on his Australian run. Today is Boxing Day. For those that do not know... Boxing Day is a day when most good, well-mannered people visit their close friends and relatives that they did not see at Christmas. But I am not out celebrating frivolously today. Why, you might well ask, would a beautiful and talented person such as myself not seek out my friends on Boxing Day? I am here to warn you. You see, I didn't understand. I couldn't. I was far too busy and far too stressed. I had papers to grade and kids to raise. How could I understand? Ah, oh, but I am getting ahead of myself. 
You see, it all started on a particularly hectic Christmas morning. What is it now? Can't you see I'm busy? The tower is still a mess. I've lost all my Jane Austen novels. There are papers that need grading everywhere. I have not started Christmas dinner and I can't find Gen 2. The tree isn't up and the house point totals haven't yet been double-checked. But, Kaza, it's Christmas Eve and there is no tree. The stockings aren't hung by the chimney with care. Sugar plums? I need sugar plums. Can't you people tell I need sugar plums? And it's the fourth day of Hanukkah, but we haven't been able to light the menorah for the past two days. The menorah? The menorah for the Festival of Lights. I'm supposed to light a candle every day. Honestly. Shoshana, if you want to light some candles, be my guest. It might brighten the place up a bit. I don't think Lego installed the track lighting correctly. That's the problem. Look, whatever. I haven't got time for this. I've got a million things to do and a million places to be. And if you're worried about the tree, find Lego and Wolfie. They're the ones I put in charge of the tree. Gecko, if you want the stockings hung up, then hang them up, dear. And Ali, if you want sugar plums, I'm afraid you're just going to have to make them yourself. But that wasn't the end of it. No, not by a long shot. The day only seemed to get worse. I mean... The kids talk about nothing but High School Musical for two years, and so you buy them High School Musical, the board game, and the complete High School Musical collection on DVD, and what do they do? They shrug and go outside to play. What's with that? I've spent good money on that horrid game in that show. So, after spending part of my day celebrating the birth of our Lord's son by doing research for summer homework, I ventured back into the Ravenclaw common room. Okay, which one of you got yuletide in my eggnog? <sighs> eggnog is disgusting. It is not. Eggnog is delicious. Fruitcake is disgusting. Fruitcake is wonderful. Marzipan is disgusting. Marzipan is delicious. Kugel is disgusting. What's kugel? Noodle pudding. Ugh. People eat that? At least it's not as bad as gefilte fish. Are you really arguing over which holiday food is the worst? I'm not. I'm trying to organize the Ravenclaw Christmas feast. But the house funds were apparently depleted buying lemur toys and our charge card got rejected when I tried to buy the turkey. Lemur toys? Well, I'm assuming. Someone spent 1,500 galleons at Pets Anonymous. They don't ask questions about what you're buying your pet. Ew! Wait, wait. How did they buy the tree if the house fund is empty? That's what we were trying to tell you earlier. There is no tree. No stocking. No sugar plums. That's enough. I will get to the bottom of this. Come in. Dave, where are Lego and Wolfie? I don't know. I've been here counting house points all day. Well, where could they be? I'm not sure. Uh, have you checked the Who's Online list? The what's it? The Who's Online list. Dave, what have we told you about speaking that gibberish in the common room? Do you know where they are or not? No, I told you I've been counting house points all day. Don't get snippy with me. Are you at least almost done? No, I'm only a quarter of the way through the house point totals. Hufflepuff is still in the lead, but I don't think I'll get done with this audit before the end of the year. Nonsense. It's still a week away. But with time off for Christmas, there isn't enough time to do a complete recount. Well, then there won't be time off for Christmas. 
Ravenclaw is behind, and we need you to make sure all of our house points have been counted. Will I at least be able to get my Christmas bonus? Bonus? Ravenclaw still trails, David. You'll be lucky if I let you keep your job. But my fan club needs that bonus. We're saving up to get their lips surgically removed from my bum. Oh, crikey. Meanwhile, elsewhere in Ravenclaw Tower... Lego, Wolfie, Tessa has been storming all over the tower looking for you two. Us? Why would you want us? You were supposed to set up the Christmas tree. <laughs> oh, we bought a tree. Yeah, it's decorated too. Well, where is it? <laughs> well, don't look at us. Ask Bob. The Squirrel King? No, the other Bob. Keza is going to kill you. I'm not afraid of Keza. Yeah, uh, me either. Suit yourselves. Keza, Lego and Wolfie are hiding in your office. Whoa, that's totally uncool. Quick, you go that way, I'll go this way, and one of us is bound to make it out of here. Oh, Christmas tree, oh, Christmas tree, with faithful leaves unchanged. Where are they? They ran for it. Didn't you see Lego? He was running right towards you. No! Why didn't you tackle them? Honestly, I commentate about people tackling each other. I don't tackle people. Ever since you got engaged, you've gone soft, like tapioca. Hey, I can't help it if my priorities have changed. I've got a family to look out for. Well, did you at least find out what they did with the tree? They said to ask Bob. But Bob went home for the holidays. Hey, don't look at me. That's just what they said. Damn, I have to go. I have a turkey in the oven. But I didn't go soon enough. Instead... I had to listen to Mr. Keza Catterwall about overcooked turkey and runny mashed potatoes. I was understandably edgy when I headed back to Ravenclaw Tower late that day. My family had sucked what little Christmas cheer I had left directly from my bones. Keza, there's trouble in the kitchens. What now, Kismet? It's it's Allie. She was trying to make sugar plums, and, well, the kitchen's exploded. Tina is demanding reparations. Oh, sweet Merlin, what is wrong with this day? I'm not sure. June took Scarlet to the hospital wing after she singed her eyebrows, trying to hang the stockings by the fire. Do you have any uh, good news? Well, we found the tree. Oh, that's great, Gecko. Where is it? It's on the roof. Well, why didn't you bring it? Down. Well, Bad won't let anyone near it. What? Why? Well, it's decorated with hundreds of pairs of little lemur-sized knickers, and he's being quite territorial about it. Knickers? Yep. Racy ones, too. Ah, sweet Merlin, what next? Oh, do me a favor. Go get Dan and round everyone up. I have had enough of this. Slightly later. <laughs> Lego. Yes, Keza? Wolfie. Yes, Keza. Did I, or did I not, put the two of you in charge of procuring a Christmas tree for the house? Mm, you did. Then why is there no Christmas tree in here? It's on the roof. I know it's on the roof. Why is it covered in knickers? Uh, well, sometimes 
people like to decorate the outside of their homes. It's on the backside of the castle. Nobody can see it. Did you want us to display our knicker-covered tree more prominently? No! Okay, well, I mean, make up your mind. You want a tree, you don't want a tree. You knew what I wanted. Oh, come on. It was funny. No, I've had it. Do you know who hung the stockings by the fire? I did. I've been cleaning up messes all day. Cooking, cleaning, chasing lemur-obsessed imbeciles all over this castle. And does anybody care? No. It's, where's the sugar plums, Keza? Where's the tree, Keza? Why are the mashed potatoes running, Keza? That's it. I've had enough. Christmas is over. But Keza, Christmas hasn't even started yet. It's still three hours. Nope. It's over. The next person who so much as says the word Christmas is getting thrown in the pit of despair. Keza, you can't do this. Watch me. But Keza, you said you wouldn't throw anyone else in the pit of despair. You know, after what happened with Mac, nobody's seen him since. There are rumors. Never mind about Mac. I am taking down the rest of these decorations, and I don't want to hear one more word about Christmas. You'll go to your dormitories, and tomorrow will be just another Friday. But... Tomorrow's Thursday. Thursday, Friday, whatever. The point is, there is no more Christmas. Now go to bed. And they did go to bed. Oh, they weren't happy. Mutinous seemed a more apt description of the Ravenclaws, but with stony faces and angry eyes, they went to bed. I myself took a few minutes to rip down the decorations that had made it onto the walls. I set the catches back to their normal colours of navy and bronze, and then I got rid of the mistletoe that had been hung strategically above the girls' staircase. With a wave of my wand, I zapped it out of existence, eliciting a small cry of pain and rage from the nargles that had taken up residency therein. My work done for the day, I trudged my tired bones to my bed. It had been far too long a day. I put on my nightdress and lay in my bed watching a beam of moonlight travelling across the floor until I fell asleep. Kaza! Kaza! Kaza Bear. What's that? What? It's me, Lady Chi, the old head of Ravenclaw House. Uh, why are you waking me up in the middle of the night? I came to warn you. You will be visited by three spirits. Oh, crikey. Is Peeves on the loose again? No, it's... Is Gecko stuck in the dome again? No, it's... Is Helena harassing the bloody Baron again? Would you just let me finish already? Well, you don't have to scathe at me. <laughs> You, Kezabear, will be visited by three spirits to help you realize the purpose of Christmas and to help you see the error of your wicked ways. Now I'm leaving. Bah humbug. You try and give somebody a warning and what thanks to you get nothing. Well, as you can imagine, sleep did not come easily after that as I tried to determine the source of Lady Chi's scathery. Three spirit. They'd better not interrupt my summer slumber, I thought. Hey, wake up. What now? I've been haunting you for 15 minutes. Get up already. Gen 2, why are you waking me up? I am not Gen 2. I am the ghost of Christmas past, and I've come to remind you of the meaning of Christmas. Ah, oh, come on, Gentoo, it's late, and I had a really long day. Just go back to bed. I am not Gen 2. 
I am the ghost of Chrissy's. I'm telling you, I'm not her. Look, she's over there asleep in her bed. What? But how? That that doesn't make sense. You look just like Gen 2. Do you think we had a nip to cast every character for this ridiculous thing? Now just put on a robe or something. I've got to give you a series of flashbacks and we haven't got all night. Do I get a say in this? No. Oh, that's just great. An even longer day. Let's get this over with... Here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus. Where are we? Dave's house, 1995. Whoa, what's with all the flannel? It was grunge generation. Is that little Dave? Yep, and he just got his very first calculator. Someone can be that happy about getting a calculator for Christmas? Just Dave, but what matters is the joy that it brought him. What? What's that he just opened? Uh, it's, uh... A little black book, it looks like. That's an odd gift for a four-year-old. Don't ask me. New Yorkers are just weird. Now where are we? Scarlet's house, Las Vegas, 2003. Mom! 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 Don't you want to open your presents? Uh, yes, I do, but it's snow. Can't I just go out in the snow for a little while? Oh, come on, honey. It'll be at 104 in an hour. Let her go play in the snow. Oh, all right. But bundle up. I don't want you to freeze. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It's snow. toys under her tree, but what she really wanted was just a little snow. Hey, I want a little snow. Don't be ridiculous. You live in South Australia. And may all your I take it you recognize where we are. Home. I really wanted a new doll, but things were tight, and my sisters just gave me dolls that they made. I was so disappointed they weren't new. But it was the thought that counted. I didn't know that then. I was only five. Your sisters gave you what you wanted, even if they couldn't buy it. I liked them. I really did. I just, I hadn't played with them yet. I really wanted a Cabbage Patch Kid. But you still had fun. Yeah, later that day, when I sussed out they were just as fun, and how hard my sisters had worked, it made me really happy. That's the magic of Christmas. Christmas is a special time that fills people with childlike joy. Have you seen the errors of your way now? I know.
know people love Christmas, but it's a whole month of work. Buying presents, setting up the tree, cleaning, cooking, organising activities. It's just too much. I think we're better off without it. Very well. Be forewarned, Keza. The spirits of Christmas will not be denied. And then, in a flash, she was gone, and I glanced across the room where Gen 2 was still sleeping. She had a suspicious murk upon her face. I started wondering if perhaps I'd acted too hastily. It was Gen 2's favourite holiday. Maybe I'd gone too far. No, that couldn't be right. It was Wolfie and Lego's fault. If they'd just not messed up the tree, then maybe I wouldn't have been overacting. But dozens of lemur-sized knickers? That was going too far. Finally content that I had made the right decision, I slipped back to sleep, hoping my night of visitors was at an end. But not really counting on it. Not now, Mr. Kezum. Sleepy. <coughs> oh, no, not again. We have a tight schedule. P.S. Don't tap your clipboard at me. I'm tired. I just want to sleep. I am not P.S. Great. Who are you supposed to be? The ghost of Christmas present? No, don't be ridiculous. I'm the ghost of Christmas P.S.ent. Are you wearing green and red plaid? Of course. It's Christmas. Now, we really must be going. There's much to do, and we haven't got all night. You and that clipboard. I hate that clipboard. Now, really, Keza, don't blame the clipboard. Off we go. Where are we? We're still in the tower, just a different room. You see, the Christmas spirit can't be ripped from people's hearts. Here in secret, your charges are exchanging Christmas gifts, and it still fills them with joy, even if they can't do it in the common room. Here, Allie, I made this for you. I wish it was better, but I suck at knitting. Jesse, I made you one too, but I'm not sure when you'll use it. You made me a scarf? That's so sweet. I made you guys something too. Let's sneak over to Brianna, Gecko, and Jesse's room and give them their gifts. We'll have to be quiet. We don't want Keza to find out. I saw three ships come sailing in on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. Why I saw is Kismet still up? She's up late doing more knitting to give to her friends. She has a few more to go before morning, but she doesn't mind. She's been sitting in here knitting and singing since you sent everyone to bed hours ago. ships come sailing in on Christmas Day in the morning. I took these decorations down. Yeah, but Lego and Wolfie have been putting them back up all night. They even brought the tree back down from the roof. Look, that's odd. I mean, it's pretty the way the lights reflect in the shiny knickers. Sorry, bad. You've had your fun. Osseo knickers. You think this will be enough regular ornaments? Well, we could put a few of these red and green knickers back. You see, they do have the spirit of the holidays. They just went a little overboard with the lemur shenanigans. And here is Dave spreading his holiday cheer to his fan club. What do you mean, spreading holiday cheer? He's supposed to be auditing house points. Nope, he's writing personal Christmas cards to each member of his fan club. Let me see that. You're my very favorite fan club member. Thanks for all your love and support this year. I don't know what I'd do without you, love, Dave. But 
He's written that on all of them. Well, you can't really expect him to pick a favorite, can you? <sighs> what is it with men and commitment anyway? Now, that's not really the point. are we now? We are in Kansas, Toto. Really? Kansas? I always wanted to come to the States. You're supposed to be watching Lady Chi and her family returning from singing and playing music at their church. It's past midnight. Here it just became Christmas. Christmas spirit is very strong here. You can't end it with a mere edict at one point. Well, if I can't hurt Christmas, then what's the point of all this? inside yourself and find the Christmas spirit in you. But how am I supposed to do that? But the ghost of Christmas Piescent was already gone. I thought briefly about getting up and hexing Wolfine Lego for disobeying a direct order, but I couldn't bring myself to get up again. I was tired, and if everyone was telling the truth, there was still one more visit to expect that night. I laid my head on the pillow and thought about what P.S. had said, that the spirit of Christmas came from inside me. Come with me. Uh, I don't know. Um, what's all this then? I was just down here a minute ago. It was all decorated. I miss Christmas. Me too. The singing, the eggnog, the lights. People being happy. Yeah, I miss that too. Why does Allie look so sad? Allie, do you want some sugar plum ice cream? No. She's just never been right since Keza canceled Christmas. I know, she took it the hardest. This is the future? This is because I cancelled Christmas? It certainly is quieter. Oi, stop that. When are we supposed to be now? Ravenclaw Tower is a burning pile of rubble again. Don't tell me this is because I cancelled Christmas. Crikey, Lego causes this kind of destruction at least every six months. What are you doing? What are you pointing at? Ravenclaw disbanded 2017. Hey, you can't pit that on me. That can't be my fault. Stop. What are you doing? What's that knocking sound? What's going on? I woke up suddenly, short of breath. There was a pounding on my front door. My laptop was sitting on my lap, shut down from lack of power. The pounding persisted, and after a moment, I disentangled myself from the lounge and answered the front door. Sorry to come so late, and on Christmas. The post has been a bit behind, but I knew you wouldn't want to wait. Happy Christmas. The slightly odd postal worker, with a long white beard, handed me a box. On the outside of the box was written, With love from Puffler. My hands shook slightly as I held it and set it down on the coffee table. I slit the tape with a knife we'd been using earlier to open presents, and opened it slowly, my heart beating. And there, on the top, was the cutest stuffed little lemur. I set Bad to the side and tore open the box. There was Pop-Tarts and Butterfingers and books, and I laughed and I found a set of Hello Kitty Band-Aids. There was a card underneath the piles of goodies. Have a very Merry Christmas, it said, with love, Gen 2 and your friends at Puffer. 
Well, I scrambled for my laptop, but the battery was dead. I had to get online. I dove across the room to my rucksack and tore it open to find my power cable. It wasn't there. I'd left it upstairs. I dashed into the bedroom and ripped the power cable from the wall. What's wrong? I've ruined everything. I can't talk now. I dashed back down the stairs and plugged in my laptop and fidgeted anxiously as my laptop booted much more slowly than seemed appropriate given my agitated state. And finally, finally I reached Puffra and ran into the common room. Christmas isn't cancelled! I yelled at the top of my lungs. I turned around and the stockings were filled and the tree was decorated with fairy lights. And there on the table were sweetbreads and fruit and everything was decorated so happy and brilliant. The inhabitants of Ravenclaw Tower came down the stairs and gathered around and I exclaimed, Good news everyone, Christmas isn't cancelled this year! And the youngins cheered, and the old geezers laughed, and Jen too smirked as she hugged me. I knew you'd come around. Then, from nowhere, Lego hauled off and kissed me. I wasn't sure whether to hug him or slap him, until he pointed straight up and said, Sorry. <laughs> Strategically placed mistletoe. We grinned, and we ate, and we laughed, and we shared, and everyone in Ravenclaw was as happy as they dared. The Christmas was merry, and the holidays were bright. Just goes to show that Christmas is inside you. Even if you think you lost it, you just need to know where to look. Happy Christmas, Puffwa. Hey, Puffwa, this is Lego Bean. Wishing all of you a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, and a really great New Year. Jessica's away from her head right now, but she'd like to wish you all a happy holiday. Happy holidays, Puffwa, and have a happy New Year. Hi, this is Kelly a.k.a. Kismet, I wanted to wish everyone a very happy holiday. Whether you celebrate Christmas, Kwanzaa, Yule, or Hanukkah, I hope you have a wonderful new year. Merry Christmas, Puffwa! Hey everybody, this is P.S., and I want to wish you all a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Happy Holidays, Puffwa! Season's greetings, Puffwa, from everybody in Ravenclaw. We wish you a reggae Christmas. We wish you a reggae Christmas. We wish you a reggae Christmas and a reggae New Year. We wish you a reggae Christmas. We wish you a reggae Christmas. We wish you a reggae Christmas and a reggae. Hello, my fellow Poofwanians. This is Miss Tuthin. This is my son. Auric. What are we going to sing, Auric? Uh, Jingle Bells, Red Nose Reindeer. There's no such thing. <laughs> what are we going to sing? Jingle Bells, never mind. Okay. Bashing through the snow, in the one there's open sleigh. All the reindeer go, laughing go away. Ha, ha, ha. Bells up, bell to ring. Making spirits bright. All of fine is the ride and sing a sling song till night. Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle always. All of fun is to ride and watch ourselves to slide. Hello, it's me, Scarlett, here to sing Oh Come All Ye Faithful. Oh, come all ye faithful, hearken to the podcast. Oh, come ye, oh, come ye to poo We come.
loaded. Oh, come let us download it. Oh, come let us download it. Hurry up. It takes forever. The file three hours. I can't fully let off this much. Oh, I don't think that nothing takes that much time. Oh, come let us download it. Oh, come let us download it. Oh, come let us download it. Hurry up. The download has finished. I can't wait to hear it. Oh no, my computer is stalling. I need this podcast. It's become my life. So come let us download it. Oh come let us download it. Oh come let us download it. It's Thank you, Ryan, Chi, Jen, everybody on the podcast, behind the scenes, and everybody on the forum. This past year, and everything's been amazing. Big shout-outs to all of the youngins, because, come on, we're just cool like that. <laughs> and to Ravenclaw, and to everybody, really. Thank you for such a great year, and let's keep it going in 2009. Happy holidays. <laughs> We're going to prank call everyone on my Skype list and wish them a happy holiday. Let's start with Julia. Julia? Hi, I'm here. Hold on. You have really good timing. Julia, okay. you're live on Polarific Weekly. I have okay, hi, guys. You guys have really good timing because we actually... <laughs> we act, Dan and Cody and I just finished with the podcast edition for the Puffle Christmas. Aaron, Aaron, welcome. You're 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 live on Polarific Weekly. We're Christmas calling everyone on my Skype list to wish them a happy awesome. holiday season. How you doing? Uh, I'm good. I have not put up the Christmas lights yet, which uh, is not good because I should have done that last weekend. Pronk is really good book taste. So you've been reading my book then, Mike? Have you? I just picked it up and started the first few pages, and I think I like it. Yeah, it's pretty much amazing. Um, yeah, it's be quickly become one of my favorite sci-fi series. Interesting. You finished the book I gave you yet? Uh, actually, I can't about? find that right now. Oh, you lost it? Yeah, Game of Thrones, I got him to start. Yeah, I I really liked it. I just uh, Mike gave me a book a year ago. I told him I and you haven't touched it, it yet. On the list, it's on the list. It's on the list. Everything's on the list. I know. P- I, 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 I should I be the... good because I just came off the list. So I, I know. Up. I read the first chapter of P.S.'s Fic. I'm like, oh look, it's Horace. <laughs> it's I don't think I it. realized Horace was gay when I started reading. I'm like, oh my. <laughs> I did it. Oh. I forgot it was Slash, which there's nothing wrong with that. I just Merry Christmas to you too, Ryan. <laughs> oh God! Wow. Do you have a message for the Puffball community? Merry Christmas, everybody. Happy Kanaka to the the few and proud Jews out there. Thank you. We got one right over there in the corner. So awesome. I'm a, I'm a havesy on that one. So uh, Merry Christmas. Have Merry Christmas, Merry actually. Christmas, Merry. <laughs> Bye, guys. I think he's my third favorite Hufflepuff. What is this? You have, like, a ranking system? Yes, it doesn't everyone. No. Well, fine. It was in Hufflepuff Commons before Christmas night. In the tiniest house elves were out like a light.
All their hand-knitted elf caps were hung up with care, in hopes that the headmaster soon would be there. The Hufflepuffs burrowed quite snug in their beds, while stories and sound effects danced through their heads. The cat by the fire and goats in their pen. It was, all in all, a most comfortable den. When out on the pitch there arose such a clatter, they all sprang awake to see what was the matter. Downstairs to the common room, Hufflepuffs dashed. The goats too awoke and were bleating for mash. The puffs brought out candles, and by their warm lights they saw through each window the strangest of sights. For there on the lawn, full of good puff or cheer, was a sleigh-riding Huggles, quite failing to steer. He was waving an iPod and laughing with glee. They all wondered if he was listening to Chi. Around or through obstacles closer he came, and he laughed as he shouted out every hose's name. Stay on topic, Keza, Mike, Rinna, Chi. We'll do it. P.S. Jen, Jen too, you'll see. Oh, who am I kidding? We're having a ball. It's Puffer at Christmas. Have fun with it all. Then flicking the reins from the ground his sleigh rose, and Huggles grinned, missing a tree by a nose. As up to the turrets his cursors they flew, with a sleigh full of goodies, and Danielle there too. And then through the chimney his voice they could hear, he shouted out, Hey Tina! I brought the beer! So quickly the Hufflepuffs all turned around, and Huggles appeared, flowing in with a bound. He was dressed as a pilgrim from hat down to buckles, though Danielle had told him, admits tardy chuckles. That outfit's all wrong for the season, you know. It really won't work very well in the snow. Indeed, he now brushed a small drift off his hat, but he didn't seem very put out about that. Instead, he just grinned and said with a wink. It makes people laugh, so it's worth it, I think. Huggles filled house elf caps from his overfull pack, while the elder elves laid out a small Christmas snack that the Hufflepuffs all were appreciative of. Bernard even knocked someone over in love. While Danielle and Huggles laid gifts all around, couches, the floor, any place that they found, the others ate some of the food that was there, and then brought them plates, so that they too... Could share. Soon the good couple was through with their work, and though not a puff, Danielle wasn't let lurk. But joined in the party, it ran for a while, till finally Huggles turned round with a smile and shot to Danielle a significant glance. They tripped to the flu with a bit of a dance, and his voice could be heard as they faded from sight. Happy Christmas to all. Have a great puff one night. Very good, girls. No, that's enough. We really don't want to overdo this. We have a very long episode. Now, wait a minute, girl. Karen, cut that out. Danielle, get down. Danielle, get down. Hogwarts students, you ready to sing? Yeah, let's sing it now. Ready, Hermione? Ready. Ready, Jenny? My name is Karen. Christmas, Christmas time is near. Time for toys and time for cheer. We've been good, but we can't last. Hurry, Christmas, hurry fast. Wag a plane that loops the loop. Me That was very good, Danielle. Naturally. That was very good, Karen. Uh, um, Ryan, you were a little flat. Watch it. Ryan. Ryan. Oh, okay, okay, here we go. Want to play the loops, the loops. I still want a hula hoop. We can hardly stand the wait. Please, Christmas, don't be late. We can hardly stand the wait. Please, Christmas, don't be late. 
Christmas, Poofa. It's Jed, too. I just wanted to apologize in advance for what you're going to have to go through. Just listen. Ain't this a glorious way to sing a soundless cliché? I'm sure that it's all wrong. Listen to my trail by your own free will to my little song. <laughs> oh, it's a jolly holiday at Poofwan. Huggles makes your heart so light. If your day is gray and ordinary, the forum makes your sun shine bright. The Gryffindors are toying with the Slytherins. The Ravenclaws are hugging on the puffs. When Jan One holds your hand, you feel so grand. Chi's new novel is in high demand. Oh, it's a jolly holiday at Poofwa. No wonder that it's Poofwa that we love. Jolly holiday on Poofwa. Ren has the perfect bite. Mike is always good for entertainment. Keza stills the show outright. The episode is late and Ryan's dressing. P.S. is writing Slughorn slash affairs. Melinda reads your fic. You're in the click. No other podcast really quite compares. Now it's a jolly holiday on Poofa. No wonder that it's Poofa that we love. It's a jolly holiday on Poofwa. Communities like we are few. Though we're like a diamond in a wank fest. Underneath our strength is true. We'd never think of missing any snark fest. Laughter is the hallmark of our creed. iTunes needn't fear when we are near. Our complete fidelity is crystal clear. Oh, it's a jolly holiday on Poofwa. A jolly, jolly holiday with you. A very jolly holiday with you. Now, at this point, Excuse me, Poofoidians. You know, I really do have pneumonia, and I can't.
can't believe I just take that song for you. It's only because I worked really, really hard on it, and I couldn't help not having a Christmas shout-out that I even did the anything at all. But there's this whole section of this song where I'm supposed to, I don't know, say things really fast. There's no way on God's earth I'm saying anything really fast. Anyhow. But I can't not mention the people that I wrote into the song, so I'm just going to have to do it with the background behind me, and I'm just going to have to read you the words as well as I can. Excuse me. <coughs> it's true that Lego and Wolfie have ways that are winning, and Tina and Sue at Duck's Foot set your heart spinning. Cody's delightful, Dave is disarming, Richard, Nathaniel, Julia are charming, Raves of is dashing, Obli is sweet, Tylet is smashing, Rosie a treat, Danielle, Kismat, Scarlet, and Dan, Convivial company time and again, Scott and Wayne and Brian are swords, I'll agree are three jolly good sports, but cream of the crop, tip of the top, it's fried, huggles, and there I freaking stop! <laughs> Merry, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, Cheery Kwanzaa, Happy Snow, Happy Poofwa, Merry Christmas to everyone. This is my favorite place to be. I love you all, and I hope that you're enjoying a very happy holiday with your families. God bless. Bye bye. Oh, Jed too. Bye. Karen, you know what I want for Christmas? What do you want for Christmas, Danielle? I want Brian to stop making us record public service announcements for Puff One. I think for what? <laughs> for Potterfic Weekly. Oh, that's what it's called. I I don't know. I don't really get this stuff. I, I know. Like you're not really into Harry Potter. And therefore, you're really not into fan fiction because one sort of follows the other. So yeah. I don't know why he keeps having you do this. Yeah, I don't really get it either. He just kind of, like, tricks me and has me come over because he says, Oh, guess what? Guess what? Danielle's making macaroni and cheese tonight. So, yeah, it'll be great. Come on over. And then he, like, locks me up in a room and makes me sing songs in a chipmunky voice about Christmas and stuff. So, yeah, I almost cursed. <laughs> so he's re he really is like Henry VIII, and we're yeah. like, you know, we're, we're all his little minions. Yeah, minions. minions. That's what we are. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That, gonna that word reminds me of onions. Side note. <laughs> me too. I was just going to say that. Yeah, I could go, go for some sautéed onions. Sautéed onions with mac and cheese. Yes. And maybe to top it all off, yeah. like... A Yule log? Because it, it is Christmas time. I don't really know what a Yule log oh, is. Oh, it's chocolate cake. Oh, it is? Yeah. Does it have anything in it? It has, like, chocolate frosting rolled up in the middle. Oh, that sounds like Jesus in my mouth. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry Christmas. Love, Karen. Y'all, you silly Harry Potter fans. Mark <laughs> are the bells, sweet silver bells, all seem to say, throw cares away. Ding. Christmas is here, bringing good cheer Ding. to young and old, dong. weak and the bold. Ding, dongy dong, dong, that is their song, with joyful ring, dong. all caroling. One seems to hear words of good cheer from everywhere, filling the air. Oh, how they pound, raising a sound, or here and there, telling a 
On the twelfth day of Christmas, Ufwa came to me. Twelve Ufwanians singing. Eleven games for playing. Ten doolers dueling. Nine droplets dropping. Eight cups of Kool-Aid. Seven states exploding. Six coats are mowing. Four near-death disasters. Three exploding toilets. Two off-topic rant. And the goals are
At the potter's home, a terrible sight. Through Gondrick's hollow, a chill wind blows. On this wind, a green light grows. Sleep well, Harry Potter. Sleep without bad dreams. Silent night, foretold night. At Hogwarts there's a desperate fight. The end of an era was no pose. To Harry we raise this toast. Live well, Harry Potter. Live well in peace. Merry Christmas, Pluffwinians, and happy holidays. This is Last Heaven saying good night and sweet dreams. <laughs> Story of the Santa Goats. Twas the night before Christmas, and in our duplex, the children were plugged into special effects. While pizza with sausage and peppers they downed, with soda plus popcorn and chips by the pound. Then, while all the children the TV were viewing, the sound from the kitchen was purposeful chewing, as Elwood with clam cakes and I with chopped eel had just settled down to our microwave meal. When all of a sudden, not the sound of reindeers. But the buying of Santa goats came to our ears, so we ran to the windows and opened the shutters. We threw up the blinds to a sky full of udders. As lovely as angels, the family agreed, and Elwood so helpful named each by its breed. Look, kitties, an alpine, a boar, a pygmy, and here comes a fainting, a short hair, and a guernsey. And so they did circle our satellite dish to fulfill for dear Elwood an old Christmas wish. That the goats would return as they had in his youth, and share with his family their goodness and truth. Then over our inner chrome we heard on the roofs the tap dancing clatter of the Santa goat's hoofs. It's unreal, we exclaimed. It's so strange. It's so weird. Down the chimney the Santa goats promptly appeared. Now light as a feather they floated around over TV and pizza with merry a sound. Then after a while they had floated enough. And touched down as gently as a dandelion fluff. Their eyes like Liz Taylor's were dewy and clear, their lips like Liz Taylor's so rosy and dear. And they smiled at us from their warm inner glow, and each of their tails was tied up with a bow. They were good, they were warm, they were wise and amen. Just as Elwood had wished, they had found him again. And they sang us some carols all limpid and light, like we wish you a merry Christmas and oh holy night. Then the bees are presented a beautiful tree, while spellbound we sat on Aunt Maxine's settee, as we gazed at the ornaments dazzling and rare. A spirit of peace and goodwill filled the air. There were bundles of something thrown over their backs, and we all tried to guess what might be in those sacks. 
Maybe red hots or gumballs or licorice whips. Maybe squirt guns or skateboards or alien ships. Then each of the goats put a sack down before us, and our oohs and our ahs then rang out in a chorus. As we opened the sacks, it was not as we thought. It was baseballs and bats, gloves and caps they had brought. Then we traced a great diamond outside in the snow and began with the goats to hit, run, catch, and throw. So we placed through the night, through each bright moonlit inning, till the sun showed its face. Christmas Day was beginning.
his lap is sleeping, whom angels greet with anthems sweet, while shepherds watch are keeping. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him, Lord, the babe, the son of Mary. He lies in such a lonely place where ox and ass are feeding. Come have no fear, God's Son is here. His love, all love's exceeding. This, this is Christ the King, whom shepherds guard and angels sing. Haste, haste to bring him praise, the babe, the son of Mary. So bring him incense, gold and myrrh, Sleep tonight. Go 
to sleep, my son. Go and chase your dreams. This world can wait for one more moment. Go and sleep in peace. I believe the glory of heaven is lying in my arms tonight. Lord, I ask that He, for just this moment, simply be my child. The night wind to the little lamb. Do you see what I see? Way up in the sky, little lamb. Do you see what I see? A star, a star, dancing in the night with a tail as big as a kite. With a tail as big as a kite Said the little lamb to the shepherd boy Do you hear what I hear? Ringing through the sky, shepherd boy Do you hear what I hear? A song, a song High above the trees With a voice as big as the sea With a voice as big as the sea Said the shepherd boy to the mighty king Do you know what I know? In your palace warm, mighty king do you know what I know? A child, a child, shivers in the cold. Let us bring him silver and gold. Let us bring him silver and gold. 
said the king to the people everywhere. Listen to what I say. Pray for peace, people everywhere. Listen to what I say. The child, the child, sleeping in the night, he will bring us goodness and light. He will bring us goodness and light. I thought I'd take a ride as soon as Miss Fanny Bright was seated by my side. The horse was lean and legs. Didn't seem to be He got into a the story I must tell. I wiped out all the snow. I I Oh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Ooh, a slang song. What girls? Who are the Just get a boss hill away. That's What the hell is this? Hitch to the open sleigh? It's like a murder. Crap, you'll take the lead. I'll Crap. I'm done. I win. 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 All hail, said he, the lowly maiden Mary, most highly favored maid, Gloria. For known a blessed mother thou shalt be, all generations laud and honor Song shall be Emmanuel by seers foretold, most highly favored maid, Gloria. Then gently Mary meekly bowed her head, to me be as it pleaseth God, she said. My soul shall laud and magnify his holy name, most highly favored maid, Gloria. Of her 
Emperor Emmanuel, the Christ was born in Bethlehem, all on a Christmas And lowly men throughout the world forever saved, most highly favored maid. Hush, little Buffwanians, don't carry on. I'm gonna sing you a Christmas song. And if that Christmas song goes flat, Lady G's gonna give you too late. And if that too late should bite, Ryan's gonna release a podcast tonight. And if that podcast should not play, Jen's got a story she wants to say. Get your father a heart attack and bring down five square miles. His first heart attack was because of that. And if that story includes a moat, Melinda's got one about a boat. I want to know what Mike's definition of a boat boat is. Yeah, what's a boat boat? And if that boat just will not sail, listen to the podcast about a whale. I don't know if it ever made a circle or if it just kills all the fish. How is it that to be whales in half? And if that whale gets stuck in a dome, Kez is gonna give us a roof from home. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a rusty holding ute. And if that roo just will not bounce, Meg is gonna give us all a mouse. You can't kill it now, it has a will to live. And if that mouse should start to roam, Mike's got a cockroach in his home. Dude, get a roach bomb. And if that roach should end up dead, Rin has got a lawn mowing goat instead. And if that goat should happen to fall, Dan's gonna bring us all a Christmas ball. Welcome to the Pooncast of Rock. And if that ball just isn't any fun, All hands, dump station! Gun batteries, stand by for target bearing! We'll still have the forums for everyone. <laughs> With this Christmas wishes missed, the point I could convey. If only I could find the words to say to let you know how much you've touched my life. Because here is where you're finding me in the exact same place as New Year's Eve. And from a lack of my persistency were less than half as close as I want to be. And the first time that you opened your eyes, did you realize that you would be my savior? And the first breath that left your lips, did you know that it would change the world forever? And the first time that you opened your eyes, did you realize that you would be my savior and the first breath that left your lips did you know that it would change this world forever so this Christmas I'll compare the things I felt in prior years to what this midnight made so clear that you have come to meet me here.
in the hope that what you did, that you were born so I might really live. To look back and think that this baby would one day save me in the first time. That you opened your eyes Did you realize that you would be my savior In the first breath that left your lips Did you know that it would change the world forever And the first time that you opened your eyes Did you realize that you would be my savior In the first breath that left your lips Did you know that it would change the world forever I celebrate the day that you were born to die So I could one day pray for you to save my life Pray for you to save my life Pray for you to save my life it was December 24th, and neither a dark nor a stormy night. Well, it was sort of dark, being night and all, but there weren't any clouds, so the moon and the stars were out. Large portions of Hogwarts were quite dark, however, including the Hufflepuff common room, until several shadowy figures entered, bearing candles. Darkness would be useful to them, anyway. Have we got everything? I think so. What do we need? Let's see. Ravenclaw gift? Check. Gryffindor gift? Check. Slytherin gift? Check. Hufflepuff gift? Wait, why do we need one? If we get hit too, the other houses won't notice us for sure. Yeah, if we do it right, we might even be able to look like someone else specifically did it. Ooh, that'd be fun. Who? The Gryffindors! They always prank people. Look at the Weasleys. And we're using a Weasley product on the Slytherins. Yeah, who else would get those right? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, back on topic. We should have one, too. The rest of the Hufflepuffs deserve a present anyway. I think they might enjoy it. Oh, okay. But I don't think we have one. Leave it to me. I have a cunning plan. Oh, dear. Right. Transportation? I can get some of the elves to pop you in. You'll need to do the actual setup yourselves, though. They're supposed to be mostly neutral in things like this. Besides, sneaking around it is fun. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that is what the ninja suits are best for, after all. As long as you don't trip, huh? Uh, right. With that, the little group began to separate. Sue and Dan left first with Popsy, as she had to make a small stop at the menagerie to prepare her special surprise. Patsy took Lauren and Scott up to Gryffindor, and Trisha grinned wickedly, clutching a luridly coloured package as Weldy whisked her and Kayla off to Slytherin. Don't overdo one here. We still have to live here, after all. Ryan nodded soberly, and then, as soon as she left, went back to whirling his wand through the air, seemingly at random, chuckling gleefully. Melinda watched him with a certain fondness, shaking her head in exasperation, then ducked a particularly wild swing and came over to lean against a wall with Tina, also watching warily. Don't worry about him. Um, too much. He's, uh... Not wearing his headmaster hat just now. Star Trek <laughs> I'll say. Sue, Dan, and Popsy, the conveniently mute house elf, appear in the magical menagerie. 
Dan, if you get the box ready, I'll go get the lemur. Doesn't take too long. Sue goes to the back of the shop while Dan sets the gift box on the counter and takes the lid off. Come here, girl. I found a home for you. Sue reappears with the pretty little lemur cradled in her arms. The lemur begins to struggle when Sue tries to shove her into the box. It's all right, girl. It'll just be for a little while. It's a lemur. Dan points his wand at the lemur. At this point, the lemur considers contacting the local office of PETA. Hufflepuff House is required by the Potterfic Weekly Legal Department to remind you at this time that no lemurs were harmed in the creation of this skit. They were, however, shoved into boxes by the incoming head of Hufflepuff House herself. This won't hurt a bit, and when you wake up, you'll have a brand new home. And the Ravenclaws will have a big surprise. <laughs> Dan casts a charm on the lemur that will cause her to sleep until the box is opened. Then he casts a second charm. Pay attention. That one is part of the Ravenclaw surprise. Popsy, please take us to the tower now. The conveniently mute plot device holding Sue and Dan's hands apparates them into the common room. They take a minute to gaze around the newly rebuilt tower. Wow, Lego and the Claws did a beautiful job rebuilding this. If we ever give up hugging and become militant and drive by nuked, we should have a contractor. Yeah, nice tree. I like how it's all done in silver and blue. I don't know what's up with those knickers, though. Hmm. I want to hug it. There's no time for that. Let's leave the gift there, though, shall we? The two ninja puffs, part of the elite paramilitary arm of Hufflepuff House, carry the gift-wrapped lemur and place her gently down under the tree. Think about that. I bet you've never heard that line before in your life. I think that's it. Let's go before someone catches us here. The two head back towards the mute house elf and part-time plot device, who is waiting patiently by the entrance of the common room. Because really, why else is she there? Before they have gone very far... Wait! I forgot the gift tag. What gift tag? This gift tag. With a flick of his wand, a gift tag appeared on the box. It's very exciting. Oh, that tag. What does it say? Dear Ravenclaws, please accept Ginger, Octavia, Olivia, Douglas, or good for short, love, Santa. <laughs> That's perfect. We'd better go. Sue and Dan join Popsy. Just before they apparate... Enjoy your new home, good. The Ravenclaws will sure be surprised when they get up in the morning. <laughs> Little did Sue and Dan know that the Ravenclaws' day would be dawning much sooner than morning. I hope you like dawning right there. It's British. We thought we'd throw the popping sound of them leaving wakes Lego, who rushes downstairs with an upside-down golf club in one hand and an overstuffed pillow in the other to investigate the noise of bad perched on his shoulder. Meanwhile, Trisha, Kayla, and Weldy crack into the Slytherin common room. Trisha and Kayla begin looking around with wonderment in their eyes. I've always wondered what it looked like down here. I think I like the Puff common room better. Ours is much cozier, and we've got Helga and the goats. Though the view to the lake would be pretty cool when it's warmer out. Thanks for the ride, Weldy. The elf bobs a small curtsy, and Trisha turns to Kayla. Where do you think we should put the, um, gift? They look around for a likely spot. Weldy then consulted, only shrugs. I think we should leave it in front of the fireplace. Or it could be more traditional and leave it under the tree. Do we want to be more conspicuous so they run into it? Or with the rest so they won't get suspicious? We don't want the other gifts to be ruined either. I can take care of that. Our intrepid puffs go off to the tree to place a gift underneath it, sneaking carefully past a sleeping penguin of all things. <coughs> Suddenly, hearing a thump and a muffled squeaking noise, they turn in alarm to see Weldy with a small bright green snake wrapped around both ankles. 
nibbling on your toes. Stop that, Snape! Trificus Totalis! Trisha and Kayla extract Wildy out of the snake's coils and help her up, only to have her dive to the floor again, clutching Trisha's knees and protesting eternal gratitude. Oh, that's all I need. Kayla just grins at her, though she helps free her from Wildy's clutches after a few moments. They both turn to look at the still frozen snake. Look at the mess you made. Now we're going to have to straighten this place up. You should know better to try to eat a hell stuff. Bad snake. Really bad snake. If you're hungry, I'll summon a mouse for you or something. Taking Trisha literally, Weldy vanishes and reappears, handing her an immobilized mouse. Thank you, Weldy. <laughs> the meat and Kate hate him. Kayla Clee unfreezes the snake, and Trisha gives the mouse to it in turn. Here you go. You are a bit of snake, but no more elves. Two Hufflepuffs take charge of half the room. There isn't actually that much disarranged, so soon enough the common room is cleaned up. Exchanging small smirks, the two prepare to mess it up again. Kayla casts several subtle repelling charms around the Christmas tree and a few other strategic places, while Trisha, grinning wickedly again, casts a triggering spell connecting the orange and green package to the room's internal entrance. The two glance at each other again and nod. Taking Weldy's hand, they disappear to meet the others. In yet another part of the castle, Scott and Lauren arrive in Gryffindor Tower. Thanks, Patsy. They look around the room curiously. It seems just about as cosy as their own common room, really, but definitely different. After a moment, Scott takes an odd-shaped package out of a pocket, revealing several bundles of no-heat fireworks and other odd green pouches, which shouldn't all have been able to fit. Okay, so we start with the spells to... Uh, Lauren? Lauren! Scott looks around to find that his partner has wandered off. She's moved around the walls of the room, poking at the various decorations. Scott goes over to her as she reaches the window, gazing out into the moonlit grounds. Nice, huh? What? Oh, yeah, it is nice. I've always liked the stars and the moon. But, uh, anyway, I guess we should probably set up the spells now. (laughs) Right. They proceed to modify the fireworks fairly extensively, casting complementary spells in tandem. Once they're finished, the fireworks have taken on a silvery sheen. Lauren shears off to examine the other side of the room, while Scott carries the completed fireworks to a fairly central table, wondering how they ought to be wrapped. Ah. We're supposed to be stealthy here, remember? Shoot for two if a monkey landed in her head. What? Lauren turns, drawing her wand, and sure enough, there is a monkey wrapped around Scott's shoulders and the back of his head. As he picks himself up from the floor, a spider monkey to be exact, which makes him either Gred or Forge, she isn't sure which. The second monkey doesn't seem to be... Ah! The second monkey lands on Lauren's shoulders, causing her to also lose her balance. Unlike Scott, she manages to catch herself with her outflung wand arm, which sets the garland she was looking at on fire. Lauren quickly isolates the fire, and she and Patsy manage to put it out without all that much damage, though the ends of Lauren's hair are now oddly singed. Meanwhile, Scott has succeeded in calming his monkey, which it turns out just wanted to play. The monkey now sitting on one shoulder, he straightens his robes and casts the final triggering spell. There. As soon as one of them touches it, they'll... Watch out! The second monkey, fleeing Lauren's unexpected fire, streaks over to join his friend. Unfortunately, the most direct path involves bounding over the table in front of Scott and the newly primed fireworks activate early. Oh, no. Yeah, we better go. What? Go. Please. Run. Vamoose. Get out of Never mind. I think we should just go. 
monkeys having been scared off by the first blast are now having great fun leaping among the fireworks, shooting up and raining down on them all. Lauren and Scott regroup with Patsy, who's prudently hiding behind a chair. Gripping each other's hands, they vanish before anyone emerges to see them. They sound lost within the general noise. The three daring duos find themselves at the mouth of Hogwarts' lower corridors, nearing the kitchens. Apparently there was something going on with the Christmas feast, and all elves were needed, so theirs had dropped them off here rather than in the common room itself. Oh well, it's still better than trying to sneak down seven flights of stairs and hope no one notices. Ninja suits are not. Yeah, I don't think that worked especially well right now. What the heck happened to you two? What do you mean? Well, uh, you're a bit... He gestured, and the two of them looked at each other as the rest all gazed at them. The singed ends of Lauren's hair were sticking out of her hood, still smoking faintly, and both their ninja suits now featured splotches of deep green and shimmering silver atop the original shadowy colour. Um, let's just say our timing was monkeyed with a little. They definitely work, though. Sparks shoot up, lovely bright sparks and flares, bounce around the ceiling for a bit, then turn into snowflakes, which fall gently down. And dye everything they touch silver or green. That was your touch, I presume? <laughs> right. The Hufflepuffs blinked, chuckled, shook their heads, or otherwise expressed incredulity, <laughs> and started down the corridors toward their common room. Ours actually went pretty well, I'd say. I had a bit of trouble getting good to stay in her box, but Dan helped out there, and we got her placed and tagged so they know her name. Yes, well, you know handle animals, so yours involved less direct mayhem at first, though I wouldn't want to be there when she wakes up or gets discovered by Bad. Two lemurs making friends could well turn that common room upside down. Hmm. <laughs> what? The good, the bad, and the upside down. <laughs> How about Slytherin? Was it okay? Yep, in and out. It was simple. Except for the part where you got your own personal house elf life debt. Yeah, yeah, stupid snake. But anyways, the package is there, and I triggered it twice. So as soon as anyone comes in from the dormitories or touches the box, they will have their very own Weasley Portable Swamp. Kayla put a channeling spell, so there will be islands through. Well, there had to be a few dry spots. We couldn't just bury the whole common room in two feet of water. Because it's not nice. They'll have enough trouble as it is without having weeds and stuff all over their presents. Oh, they'll have fun with it. They can make little boats or rafts or something and put all over the room. Trisha's defense was interrupted as the group rounded a corner and met Tina coming the other way, looking harried. Oh, good, you're back. The elves went to the kitchens? Yes, they said there was some sort of problem. I know, that's where I'm going myself. Sue, maybe you can do better than Melinda and I. We tried, but... Why? What's wrong? It's... Well, it's hard to explain. Ryan had this idea for our present, but he got a bit... Well, maybe you'd better see for yourselves. I have to go. Tina rushed off, and the small group of Hufflepuffs were left to approach the common room warily. The short entry passageway seemed to be fine. But Kayla pushed the final door open with a trepidation, unsure what they might see. It does sometimes get lively around here. We play games a lot, and of course the pets sometimes make a ruckus. But they aren't really that scary, are they? Here, pet Helga, she's lovely. I promise you, it isn't actually like this all the time. Ryan's a very nice guy, really. He's just excited and enthusiastic right now. Oh, hi guys. 
The Hufflepuffs stopped in the doorway, gazing at their vastly changed common room. Snow was everywhere, literally. Animated snowmen battled with each other with swords, axes and halberds made of icicles underneath tables. On a lot of chairs and halfway down the boys' staircase as Ryan made conducting motions with his wand. Melinda was sitting on a couch with a white-faced first year who appeared to have been pinned to the wall on entry. A flying icicle shattered pieces of her robes. The six of them groaned. Ryan! What? First up, I would like to give a shout-out and a Merry Christmas to our very own Suze Duckfoot from Hufflepuff. She's our incoming head of house, and she has been such a champion for the Puffs. She's always got a friendly word, a smile, a hug, and she's getting us all going, telling us to earn the points, getting us involved in all the Christmas episodes, and she's just been a real, real joy to have around. So Merry Christmas, Sue. My second call-out would be to Ryan. Merry Christmas, Ryan. Thanks so much for uh, being our headmaster and putting all of PFW together. It's a great group, and I've had a lot of fun with it. Merry Christmas to the Puffs. Happy New Year to all of PFW. It's a fun place to be. I have one more that I'd like to do, and this one is actually to the Gryffindors. Merry Christmas, Gryffindors. I'm hoping for 2009. Julia, Sionwich, Richard, and Nate are the only Gryffindors I see posting all around the forums. And I think you guys are doing a spectacular job keeping up Gryffindor's pride and holding it all together. So for 2009, I wish you an influx of new Gryffindors to come and join your dormitories. Merry Christmas, everybody, and Happy New Year, too. Hi, all. This is my Christmas time shout-out. First of all, to Sue, who forced me to do this by purely hugging tactics. Also to Becky, who knows who she is and why. And... David might not even be listening to this, but it's the reason I'm here in the first place. And finally, to why do you need to know? For writing the first fanfic I ever read, and still my favourite fanfic, all I have to say is, so long, and thanks for all the fic. Hello, this is Rain, your frequent podcast editor and your reading group moderator. I'm wishing all Poofanians everywhere a happy holiday season. Thank you. Hello, Poofa. This is Cody. Um, I really can't believe it's been a year since I did this last year, um, recording my shout-outs for the holiday episode. Uh, last year, I was just getting started in the community. I'd been here about three or four months at that point, and even then, I already felt like I was a part of the community, which is a really amazing thing to feel like you're a part of something in that short a period of time. But now, the difference is amazing. I mean, literally, like three out of four of my best friends I know through Potterfic Weekly, and they make my world go round, and I have no idea what I would do without them. Um... It has given me a home. It has given me a place that I can go to and talk about anything. And I feel that someone will be listening and they won't be laughing at me. So you probably have heard enough of my sentimental ranting. So I'm going to give a shout out to a couple people, well, more than a couple people, quite honestly, who have made what I just described possible over the last year. I would just like to start with um, Dan and Julia from Pwncast because I think that they have the biggest role to play in the transformation of my relationship with this forum, with the transformationship of me. Um, transformationship? Wow, didn't know that other word. Um, and just with a lot of things that have changed about how I feel about myself and how I feel about pretty much my role in everything. 
uh, a year ago, I had just met Dan and Julia for like face to face met them at a Wizard Rock show after meeting them on Potterfic Weekly. And we were just about to start on the crazy year that the last year has been of recording a podcast, um, of starting a radio station. Uh, thank you, Dan. You have more technical know-how than I will ever, ever have. And basically just doing something that it was kind of crazy and a little scary, but it was definitely worth it. And not just because we produced a podcast, but because you two are now two of my closest friends and I would not trade that for the world. Um, Dan, you are a great person. And even though we disagree on political issues, as you said yourself, if a bleeding heart liberal and a conservative were able to make it through an election season and still be friends, I think we can pretty much survive anything with that. Um, and Julia, you are hilarious and wonderful and an amazing friend. And even though you're a Gryffindor through and through, I love that about you. And I am glad to always know that I have you in my corner, whatever I need, whether it's talking to you at 2 a.m. about color spreads or squeeing about the latest rocks you do with you. Okay. Um, next I am going to talk about Dave, who I'm not even sure if I knew him a year ago. I really don't remember what it was like a year ago. It seems like forever ago to me. But Dave is now one of the people I talk to the most. Every time I sign onto Skype, I get the Cody exclamation point. That is very characteristic to him, if you know Dave at all. And I just wanted to say that, Dave, you're an amazing friend and an amazing person. And even though you may doubt yourself sometimes, you are a genius. And I have hold no claim to your any degree of you, of the math skills you possess. And I know things can be stressful for you. And I know that it sometimes may seem like you're not doing things right, but you're, as I said, a great person. And I love talking to you about writing. And I love um, being able to help in any way I can, even though you probably could do very well without my help. And just talking about whatever random thing we decide to talk about when it, we're on Skype calls at 2 a.m. And I'm completely loopy because that's how I get after midnight. Um, I'd also like to say a big group hug to the youngins, as we have come to call ourselves. We are have had a pretty good political year. Yeah, I know. I get a look at this from a political angle, but hey, that's just me. We got our own section of the forum. We um, got together. We tried to get a podcast together. That didn't work out too well, but hey, we tried. And I really got to know you a lot better, uh, especially Scarlett, my lovely twin. Uh, and if you aren't familiar, we share the same birthday, date, and year, month, date, year. And knowing her has been amazing because we've gotten to be close friends. And even though I don't talk to her as much as I'd like, um, her love of theater has pervaded my already theater-corrupted life. And I listen to far more Broadway tunes than is healthy, along with my pretty much 99% dose of Withered Rock. So thanks to her, I have one of the most dysfunctional music collections in the world, and I love it. All right, let's see what's next on my long list of thank yous here. <laughs> um, thank you to Chi for always being willing to talk to me, even though I may have different views than her. She's always very nice about it and always very rational when I try to talk to her. Because I think having someone rational to bounce political views off makes you more rational in your views because you realize that it's not an extreme that you're fighting, you know, that you're arguing against. And in that vein, I would like to give a special shout out 
to anyone who has ever posted in the religion and politics thread. Because, oh my lord, in the past, what is it, six months of the election, <laughs> that thread was a blast. I mean, it may have gotten a little crazy at times, a little crazy really, but the play-by-play debate coverage by Ryan and Chi was superb, and having a political science major, I think you're a major in that, Ryan, on hand to ask our questions of was always very beneficial. And just being able to talk about issues in a forum where I felt like I wasn't going to be called an idiot, I wasn't going to be called, you know, a liberal, socialist, whatever, and being able to actually exchange views with people around the world even, I guess, was just a great ability, just a great forum for me to expand my horizons. And even some of the more controversial posters definitely made things interesting and kept debate going. So thank you to all of you. And I also want to say thank you to Sue and the rest of the new Peon cast because we are starting out on a big journey. We have no idea where it's going to go. And I hope we have a ton of fun along the way. And I know this is going really, really long. And Ryan, if you want to edit me to say, make me sound ridiculous, then feel free to do so. Now, normally I can't sing and normally I don't sing. Um, but I do love music, as many of you probably know. And Scott has done the amazing job of parodying the song of Oliver Boyd and the Remember Alls called End of an Era. And he wrote a parody called The Story about Potterfic Weekly. And I'm going to try to sing part of this because it's the only thing I can really do to submit. And the words really mean a lot to me. So all the credit goes to Scott for the words. But this is a little verse from End of an Era, from the story song to End of an Era. We hold on to the wonder of that world through many pens. And we'll never let go of all the ones that we've called friends. And they say it's only a podcast, but we know it's much more than that. It's a community all on its own, where we even have our own sorting hat. Where the hosts are all our friends And all the stories told by Jen We'll always laugh before the end Potterfic Weekly Where the story never ends I love all of you and long live Puffwa. Hello. A bunch of house elves came by and wanted to record a holiday greeting. Okay, guys, take it away. Hello, this is Patsy. Hello, this is Weldy. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm supposed to introduce the conveniently mute house elf, Popsy. Okay, go ahead, guys, again. Well, it's for the Slytherins. They need to control the snake. That snake is a very, 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 very bad snake. It does not need to eat house elves. <laughs> Weldy, that's not what we wanted it here. We wanted to say Merry Christmas to Tina, Bill, and Wiki. <laughs> calm down, calm down. You wanted to say Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and all that jazz to Tinkerbell and Winky, right? Right. Yes. Okay. 
You just did. And for the rest of you all, have a blessed holiday and be safe. Okay, guys. Now start cleaning my apartment. I did my part of the bargain. Now it's your turn. Oops. I hope I didn't record that. So, this is the after party. Julia brought vodka, and I brought fun dip, and Mike brought singing. Isa, Julia, <laughs> Kismet, Ray, and P.S. sing the Hogwarts Hoggy Warty song thing. <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, I, don't, I don't know what the words are. Hogwarts, 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 until our brains all right. Okay, Julia, you sing really well. <laughs> Thank you. You're the second person to tell me that. Just do your best, we'll do the rest. Oh, that's it. Just do your best, we'll do the rest, and learn till our brains all right. Who can oh, sing the Sword of Hat song? Which one, P.S.? The first one. I can't sing it, but I know it. Recite it. And coming up tonight on Potterfic Weekly, it's the Poetry Corner. Oh, you may not think I'm pretty, but don't judge on what you see. I'll eat myself if you can find a smarter hat than me. You can keep your bowlers back, your top hats sleek and tall, for I'm the Hogwarts sorting hat and I can cap them all. There's nothing hidden in your head the sorting hat can't see, so try me on and I'll tell you where you ought to be. You might be long in Gryffindor where dwell the brave at heart, their daring nerve and chivalry set Gryffindors apart. You might be long in Hufflepuff where they are just and loyal. Those patient Hufflepuffs are true and unafraid of toil. Or yet in wise old Ravenclaw, if you've a ready mind, where those of wit and learning will always find their kind. Or perhaps in Slytherin, you'll make your real friends, those cunning folks use any means to achieve their ends. So put me on, don't be afraid, and don't get in a flap. You're in safe hands, though I have none, for I'm a thinking cap. Wow. Very good. I got most of it. Uh, oh, do you guys, don't even go there. I can do the fifth one, and that thing's freaking epic. There weren't five, it's really the third That's true. I can do the one from Order of the Phoenix, you just, I have to think of how it starts. In times of old when I was new. In times of old when I was new and Hogwarts barely started, the founders of our noble school thought never to be parted. United by a common goal, they had the self-same yearning to make the world's best magic school and pass along their learning. Together we will build and teach the four good friends decided, for never did they dream that they would someday be divided. For were there such friends anywhere as Slytherin and Gryffindor? Unless it was the second pair of Hufflepuff and Ravenclaw. So how could it have gone so wrong? How could such friendships fail? Why, I was there so I can tell the whole said sorry tale. Said Slytherin will teach just those whose ancestry is purest. Said Ravenclaw will teach those whose intelligence is surest. Said Gryffindor will teach all those with brave deeds to their name. Said Hufflepuff will teach the lot and treat them all the same. These differences caused little strife when they first came to light, for each of the four founders had a house in which they might take only those they wanted. So for instance, Slytherin took only pure-blood wizards of great cunning just like him, and only those of sharpest mind were taught by Ravenclaw, while the bravest and the boldest went to daring Gryffindor. Good Hufflepuff, she took the rest and taught them all she knew. Thus the houses and their founders retained friendships firm and true. And so Hogwarts worked in harmony for many happy years, but the discord crept among us, feeding on our faults and fears. The houses that, like Pillars 4, had once held up the school, now turned upon each other and divided sought to rule. And for a while it seemed the school must meet an early end, what with dueling and with fighting in the clash of friend on friend. And at last there came a morning when old Slytherin departed, and though the fighting then died down, it left us quite downhearted. For never since the founders four were whittled down to three have the houses been united as they once were meant to be. 
And now the sorting hat is here, and you all know the score. I sort you into houses because that is what I'm for. But this year I'll go further, listen closely to my song. Though condemned I am to split you, still I worry that it's wrong. Though I must fulfill my duty and must quarter every year, still I wonder whether sorting may not bring the end I fear. Oh, know the perils, read the signs, the warnings history shows. For our Hogwarts is in danger from external deadly foes, and we must unite inside her or we'll crumble from within. I have told you, I have warned you. Let the sorting now begin. Wow. I'm that, I am extremely impressed. Julia. You could have been making that up, and I wouldn't know, because I don't even know it. Hi, everyone. It's Jen. I just wanted to wish everyone a happy Merry Christmas and happy Hanukkah and um, a happy New Year, happy all around. Um, I hope everyone has a really good holiday and rests a lot, because I know I am. And um, I hope to be on soon, and I hope to talk to all of you. Bye! So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night.